what's up everything? A lot, so let's get started and let's go blues! guys no cup podcast it is thursday and september 13th <laughs> i literally almost said november you know what's the difference really mm-hmm. couple leaves couple trick-or-treaters anyway um <laughs> we are coming to you tonight from the dark corner of the basement where mark barrowicki has been chained and is only released when it comes time to interview Senator's owner, Eugene Melnick. And he is only comforted by the presence of a few weirdly hung Senator's jerseys and pants. And that's it. <laughs> and that's where we're at tonight. I am sick, like mm. Ian was last week. I was in Traverse City for the weekend. And I guess somebody, I'm thinking Stan Bowman gave For me a sure. cold and so if you if I sound weird I'm sorry if I blow my nose I apologize and if you hear me unwrapping cough drops forgive me I found three different ways to say I'm sorry so I'm satisfied Ian how are you doing tonight <laughs> I'm doing much better than last week I'm full <laughs> of energy say, I'm doing much better than you yeah I mean that's true too <laughs> My sepsis cleared up. They told me it was just a sore throat. Uh, so we're in the clear. I'm alive. <laughs> That's awesome. Because and you will be too. I got your sore throat sepsis. So mm-hmm. excellent. We I, transmit blood every day I didn't, after the podcast. I didn't get it until I came back. So maybe I came back and picked up your week old germs and then got them. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Maybe the whole team was sick up there. It could be. It could be. Uh, yeah, we've got a preposterous amount of things to talk about tonight. That's a lot for the middle of so September. So many things. We went back to weekly episodes this week thinking, you know, it'd be light. We'd do Traverse City. We even asked for questions from you all on Reddit and on Twitter, which we're happy to answer, as long as you're happy to listen to a seven-hour podcast. <laughs> and we will go as long as it takes. So let's get started with the aforementioned horror show, which <laughs> is the same phrase in German and English, just so you know. Uh, really? Just a fun fact for you there, probably spelled a little differently, but anyway, uh, that featured Eugene Melnick, of owner of the Ottawa Senators, and of the world's okayest 80s haircut, and Mark... <laughs> Barrowicki, who has less hair and fewer teeth than does Eugene Melnick. <laughs> uh, for those of you who haven't seen this video, it's on the Senator's Twitter account. It is the strangest thing you could ever watch. It is literally just Mark Barrowicki, who, if you don't know, is like a third-pairing veteran wait, so let me let me rephrase <laughs> third pairing for a good team so 25 men in a night first pairing defenseman for the Ottawa Senators mm-hmm. um and 
is I get I I guess will be their captain now. I don't like maybe that's projecting too much, but like this whole weird thing. Anyway, we'll get into it. But he's sitting in a room, and there's literally only senators' jerseys and pants in the background, which is extra weird. And he's talking to Eugene Melnick, as you know, third line defensemen do constantly is mm-hmm. just shoot the breeze with their owner, Tom Stillman and Robert Bortuzzo get together all the time. Oh, yeah. Have a cold one and talk about the state of the locker That's room. That's how you get the pulse of the team is going <laughs> to Robert Bortuzzo. He knows what's up. And the video is is basically, I don't know, is it Ottawa's attempt to soften the blow of... The rebuild that's already started <laughs> is certainly going to continue. In light of today's news, which is, I'm sure all of you have heard, Eric Carlson was traded, that I'm, and we'll talk about that in detail in a little bit. I guess, I mean, they must have known that was imminent yeah. when they recorded That this. was in the books. Like, they had that drawn But up. we've always known... Oh, let's just get into this. Yeah. Why not? So I've just written down some quotes, kind of stream of consciousness that we can respond to, because I didn't want to take the time for us to like loop the video into the podcast. A, because we're not that high tech, and B, because we would talk about it forever. Yeah, but be an hour. Uh, Barrowicki really, honestly, just starts the video by saying, "What's the plan here?" Which I'm sure is a question that (laughs) (laughs) thousands of Senators fans have wanted to ask Eugene Melnick. And Melnick responds with a bunch of nonsense. But he starts by saying, I think we're going to have a season that's fresh and brand new. Because that's how every season is. (laughs) With young players coming in. A very, very serious team. Much bigger than I think a lot of people believe. So you say bigger? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so first off, several points in this video, he talks about it openly as a rebuild, like using the word rebuild, which I don't think owners or front office people tend to say mm-hmm. a lot, particularly ones that have openly gone on record about their poor sta- poor ticket sales in the past. And then But several other points in the video, he's like, no, we're going to have a great team. And and we get to the main event, which we'll we'll discuss later, which is his predictions for the season. Um, But then he immediately says, and I quote, right now, we're kind of in the dumpster. (laughs) Fantastic. Which, if you're a politician, what you don't want to do is you don't want to use... The other side's lingo to describe your issue, you know? Mm. That's, you, the minute you do that, you've lost the battle. And he literally says his own team is a dumpster. Tell us your thoughts on that. I'm sure they already know this. and it's, <laughs> I mean, they know that, and fans know that, and I'm sure the players know that, but that was the first thing I thought of. Was so Matt Duchesne already knows he's in a dumpster, but then the owner was like, "Yeah, this team's a dumpster," and he's probably watching this like, "Oh my god, please get me the hell out of here." Mark Stone's, I mean, Mark Stone's in a one-year contract. He's like, "I want the hell out of here." Anderson, who's thirty-seven, is like, "Can I not retire here?" 
I don't know why if you're an older player there, you want anything to do with that oh, no. team. And you just said you're a dumpster. I mean, if you you're just, any player. There, yeah, like every player there has to be so sad. Even if you're Brady Kachuk, like if, within five years, I don't think this team has a prayer of being even borderline relevant. <laughs> This and we'll would, discuss yeah. it more, but go on. This would be so different if they had their pick this year. Then mm. they're just losing for Hughes. And at least you have a name. You can market it. I mean, they're not going to put this on billboards, but they can say, you know, within fan the fan base, they go, well, at least we're going to get Jack Hughes. That sort of Or even thing. like, like even, I don't, I don't, I haven't done all the legwork on next year's draft class, so I don't know how deep it is, but... Like, even the year McDavid was number one. Mm-hmm. Like, people knew Eichel was number two yeah. the whole time. So even if you have a lottery pick and you're like, maybe we get screwed by the lottery, but we end up with Andre Sveshnikov, to use this year's example, mm-hmm. fine. We at least get, like, an elite, elite high-end NHL talent to build around. This is just such a non-season There's for them. nothing a here. non-season. It's literally nothing. I mean, even if they trade for a first-round pick, it's going to be bottom half. I mean, because mm. nobody in the top half is going to trade to get half a year of Mark Stone or whatever. No. <laughs> Excuse me. So <laughs> let's, the sickness. Uh, let's move on. Uh, when I signed up for an owner, Melnick says... You can just sign up. <laughs> just sign Did you up. know there's like a sheet out front? <laughs> if so you can go, each take a if turn. You go to the NHL meetings, there's just like a right next to the who's bringing snacks to yeah. the next meeting sheet. <laughs> I thought I signed it's up for who McDonald's. Wants to own to the <laughs> I signed up for I a wanted team. to own a McDonald's because you can move a McDonald's, but you don't have to move a McDonald's, <laughs> and you can change the menu on a McDonald's, and there aren't any first round picks in a McDonald's either. But anyway, he. Signed up to be an owner. He said, I really didn't expect going through, going through what we did last year. (laughs) Which maybe was my own typo, but I can believe he said that. So he didn't expect, apparently, any choppy waters as an NHL owner. (laughs) And I realized there was a little more than choppiness with the whole Hoffman-Carlson thing and all of Mm -hmm. that. And the complete 180 from conference final to dumpster. But still, he goes on to say, uh, this year becomes one of those watershed years. We're going to give everything we've got. First things first, I'm going to stick around here for a long, long time. I'm not going anywhere. The franchise is not going anywhere, which Ottawa fans, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. But I heard an owner say some of those things once. Mm-hmm. His name was Stan Kroenke, <laughs> and he now owns the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> I'm not saying Melnick will move this team at the first sign of greener pastures, but he will. <laughs> yeah, he's sure going to try. <laughs> uh, he used the phrase bumping into the wrong walls, which he was talking about. He was talking, he was telling Mark Verwecki what his experience as a rookie was for him <laughs> instead of letting him speak. Cause God forbid we let this man who we brought in here and stuck a microphone in front of speak. He told him what his rookie experience was. Um, 
he's he's talking about the influence they need to have on the young kids, and he's like, these kids don't know anything on the playoffs about the playoffs, and yeah, they're not gonna either. Yeah, Eugene. not for years. Um, so Verwicky asks, what's going to be different about our rebuild? And he says, the team we have now without all the additions. So like, openly saying they're selling. Mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly believe the Carlson trade was done and dusted when this video went. Oh, I think this, the Carlson trade was done, and then they were like, now we got to do a video thing. Yeah. Like almost and a we, preemptive like, strike. Like Doug Wilson, wait a few days. We got to cushion the fan base. And then I almost wonder if this went over so bad that they were like, oh, let's wait an extra day. <laughs> but anyway, he says, uh, it's not about individuals anymore. Because they don't have any individuals. <laughs> when was... Whatever. <laughs> when was it ever... I mean, it was about Mike Hoffman for a couple days, you know? When was that team ever about individuals? I think that was the message to Carlson of like, oh, we're not going to have one superstar because mm-hmm. God forbid we have one of the league's top ten players. I was going to say, I guess it's about individuals because that team never seemed to mesh. It was just a bunch of people. But it was, right. it was never, I guess it was the Eric Carlson show, and now he's gone. So like you said, you have no individual person to be have a spotlight on. It's just the Ottawa Senators and their trash. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't know what else to say. This is the part I really wanted to talk about, though. We're loaded up, he says, with draft picks for the next four, five, six years. He specifically says four, five, six years, which... They pointed out on the Steve Dangle podcast, although I would have known this too. I just want to say to pump my own tires Mm -hmm. because they need a little pumping today. You can't trade for picks in the fourth, fifth, or sixth year. By NHL rule, you can only trade picks within the next three draft classes. Mm -hmm. So they just have all their own picks four, five, or six years from now. But when he said that, these are the picks they had. They had... Seven picks in 2019, including no first-round pick, and two sevenths. So they're <laughs> loaded up with picks for next draft, was just swapping a first for a seventh. Great. They're, they have a wow, a shocking eight picks in 2020, which is two-thirds, no fifth, and two-sixth. And then in seven... In 2021, they just had all their own picks. Now, they've <laughs> added a couple yeah. from the Carlson deal. And they could be higher up, yeah. But none that will be hugely significant, no. I wouldn't think. He says, this coming year, we're going to have 10 out of 22 players that are going to be new, like rookies or whatever. That was a little bit of an ad lib on my part. The following year, it's going to go up to 15 or 16, which I assume counts the 10 he's already counting. So here's the other question. If they're going to have 15 young players on the team, how are they going to reach the cap floor? I mean, I guess they will still have Gaverick and Bobby Ryan. Mm-hmm. That's the plan. But, like, is that even enough? Like, I would think they'd still need more on top of that. Yeah, I think they're going to need to pay somebody. Something. What poor sucker. <laughs> Is going to get like a six-year, six-million-dollar deal there? Ooh. One, some kind of Antoine Rousseau where it's like, oh, they don't deserve this at all. Mm-hmm. But Ottawa just had to throw money at <laughs> We got to pay somebody. It'll be some poor hometown kid, too. It's just like, 
eh, maybe they've already won a cup, so all they have to do is make money, mm. and that's what they do. Anyway, uh, he says to Mark, you get excited because the kids are excited. And then he elaborates, you get excited because they're excited, it gets me excited, it gets my, all the fans excited. No, oh my god. Oh. And all our sponsors. <laughs> and, like our Tostin sponsors. And then he closes with the coup de grace of the entire fiasco and says, we're shooting for the Stanley Cup. No less. So. Great. <laughs> in, into that soup comes the news today that the news we have been expecting for Going on 12 months, eight, seven, eight, nine months, Eric Carlson has been traded to the San Jose Sharks. In return, they got Chris Tierney, Dylan DeMello, Josh Norris, Rudolph's Balkers, or Balsers. I heard it earlier and I've already forgotten. My brain's pretty addled. A 2020 first-round pick, a 2019 second-round pick, and two conditional picks. One of the conditions, which I weirdly have to give Pierre Dorian credit for, (laughs) is if the Sharks trade Carlson to an Eastern Conference team, they have to give up an additional first-round pick. (laughs) So there's going to be no more of this Mike Hoffman runaround on this. Yeah. He said, I learned a thing Here's or two. the thing that bothers me about that, though. Why do business with the Sharks at all? Oh, I, that's what I thought. Why are you trading him there? You... You were just you had. certainly have other suitors. Mm-hmm. Could... Is there any... I mean, this is a pretty underwhelming package. Yeah. It's a you lot, can't but tell it's me nobody was giving a comparably underwhelming package <laughs> for Eric Carlson. The Knights, if let's just say the Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights, mm-hmm. gave up what they had, what they gave up for Thomas Tatar, which we'll talk about in a while, a first, second, third round pick. That's a prospect or two short of as good an offer as this one. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand it. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about some of these players. Chris Tierney was described by Craig Custance as a nice two-way center who you can feel pretty good about putting <laughs> on your third line. Wow. He was drafted in the fifth round in 2012. He had 40 points, I wrote, in 92 games last year. I think it was 82. <laughs> 17 goals, 23 assists, a an anonymous NHL coach said he's a fourth-line player who can contribute and play with some energy. Dylan DeMello was described by Craig Justins as a right-shot third-pair defenseman <laughs> and was described by an Eastern Conference executive, an anonymous Eastern Conference executive, as, quote, DeMello is functional. <laughs> I had to say that one. I couldn't read that to you before. Oh, so, so we could good. Get your real Josh Norris, I, the, the <laughs> prospects aren't terrible. They got decent prospects. 
from an okay farm system. Middle of the pack, they okay. got the third and fourth prospects, according to Promen. Corey Promen of the Athletic, obviously, different people will have different takes. Josh Norris, he said, was a legit NHL prospect. Norris has a decent, had a decent freshman season at Michigan. His main asset is his hockey sense. He's a very smart two-way player who can play on both special teams. He's a very steady all-around center who lacks a game-breaking element but has good athletic traits and is more of a long-term bet. About Rudolph's balsers, uh, he said, or an executive, I believe, said he's got speed, he's got skill. He had a good year last year for the Barracuda. He's uh, both Norris and Balsers were listed as, quote, legit NHL prospects in Promen's ranking systems, which is roughly equivalent to a third tier in the prospect pyramid that we discussed a few months ago. Third or fourth tier, somewhere in there. So decent. Yeah, fine. Uh, And he said of Balsers, uh, he had a great first pro season as the best player for the Barracuda. He's a skilled forward, but what stands out the most to me is his hockey sense. So both great hockey sense guys, Bill Armstrong, would be thrilled. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has great vision and overall offensive instincts. I have some skepticism on his overall upside when I pick apart his skill set, but he keeps producing at a high level. So they got let's say, the equivalent of Sammy Blay and I feel like not Quim Costin, like the next guy down, like Jordan like Schmaltz, maybe. Eric Foley? <laughs> Eric Foley, something sure. Like yeah, that. somewhere in there. Okay. Nolan Stevens, something like that. And a, a couple of picks and a couple of NHL bodies, one of them being, quote, functional, <laughs> quote, quote. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen. I've just probably forgotten. I don't think I've ever seen the shotgun approach like actually work. Oh no, it doesn't. Like normally, there's at least a player, and they're like, "Oh, that's their number one prospect and stuff." But this is just the and stuff. This is tons of scraps, just heaps of scraps for Eric Carlson. If I'm doing business with the San Jose Sharks. Maybe if I'm Ottawa right now, I don't want Ryan Merkley because we've just had too much crap. And so I don't want their best prospect because of his history of whatever issues he's had. Mm-hmm. But if I'm doing business with Pierre, or with Doug Wilson as Pierre Dorian, there's no way I'm taking any deal that doesn't have T.M.O. Meyer in it. Oh, yeah. I'm not even starting the conversation with anything lower than that. And I realize... That the senators' backs were against the wall here, but it's Eric Carlson, whoever's trading form is planning to extend him. You've got to get something, mm-hmm. and a first-round pick two years from now is not acceptable as the highlight of the package for Eric Carlson. It's not even close. And I, I texted as correspondent Jordan, who mm-hmm. needs a theme song at this point. <laughs> uh, but I texted him earlier today and said, well, I don't think, you know, because I was at work and I wasn't really reading about the people. And I was just like, oh, a couple of names I sort of recognize mm-hmm. and a bunch of stuff. I was like, I don't think it's that bad a return because, um, you know, their backs were against the wall. But no. First of all, I in the past, when I had a queer head, I would always say 
that's a stupid excuse because they put themselves in this situation. Mm-hmm. So you can't just be like, well, this snuck up on them. How <laughs> could they have ever known? You know, but secondly, it's still not good enough, even in light of that. It's still bad. What do you think? Yeah, it's terrible. Um, Moving on. Shotgun approach. Terrible. They just got scraps. I don't know. It made me actually almost undervalue Carlson in my head. I'm like, is that really all he's worth? It's like, I guess. And I was like, maybe he's not that great. And I was like, wow, the shark stole this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Something might... That we might be worth talking about here is uh, if the Sharks have any potential re-signing Eric Carlson, you would think they are going to. That's like 98% the idea. But I don't know where they put him money-wise, you know? Yeah. He's making $6.5 million right now this year. Next year... That alone puts them most of the yeah, way up to the cap. They're just under $2 million left in cap space. What did Drew Doughty? What's Drew Doughty making these days? Eleven. I want to say ten. Okay, but I'll look it up. Gotcha. He's Eric Carlson's making ten at least. I would think. Uh huh. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's making more than Drew Doughty. Yeah. Now, granted, like we talked about before we came on, it is it would be an extension if they extended him, so they wouldn't have to think about how that works out till next year. But they're gonna have to make things work. You said earlier. They've overpaid for Evander Kane. They've overpaid Drew Thomas Doughty Hurdle. Drew is making 11. Okay. So Carlson will make that or more. Yeah. He's the same age, I think. I'll look that up too. But I would think he's the same age or close to it. And the kind of defenseman who profiles for a higher contract. Mm-hmm. We maybe not even look at Drew Doughty. Look at Brent Burns, who's making eight, and Edward Mark Edward Vlasic, who's making seven. He's got to make more than both of them. Oh yeah, they're the he's the same age as Dowdy. So and they're part of the problem. I mean, they they're eating up a large part of their cap space for the Sharks, and I don't see them as moving either of them either. I just I'm just curious where they find the money. Has Hedman extended recently? Mm, I don't think so. I don't know. It's not popping in. I'll look top him of up mind. too because that would be a pretty good comp. He's making seven eight, but he must have signed that a while ago. Maybe yeah. last year, I don't remember. Uh, seven years left on it, so I guess he signed it a year ago. But anyway, Carlson's got to make over ten, I would think. Yeah. You can't pay three defensemen a combined twenty five million dollars. <laughs> If my math is correct. Yeah, the cap's going up, but even if your cap's $100 million, which it is not. Uh, <laughs> which it is not. <laughs> that's over a quarter yeah. for three guys. Yeah. They have $77 million right now. That's the current cap space. They're paying $7 million a year for Evander Kane, which is too much. Yeah. And forever. I mean, for a long, 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 long time. They're paying Logan Couture eight million dollars a year. I forgot. Which I also I like Logan Couture, and I still think that's too much. I think that's he's comparable to Stastny in a lot of ways, where it's like he's he's really good, but he's really not changing the game mm-hmm. for you. Joe Pavelski is a UFA after this year, so they've either got to extend mm-hmm. him or let him walk. Thomas Hurdle, Tomas Hurdle. 
is making $5.625 million for four more years, which is too much money. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, they've got total flexibility. Martin Jones is making 5.75 for five more years, which is six more years, which is pretty good for him. I like him. But Joe Pavelski's 34, <laughs> so probably going on 35 this season. Yeah. Do you just let him walk? I don't know. He's, I, Im- he's important would, to the team. But are they going to? Yeah. He's the captain. I gonna, mean, obviously, you can make Burns or Carlson the captain. Is he making over six million next year? He's making six million now, but he'll be thirty-five. He's he's going to look at contracts that like Marlowe and and Lucic got. You're right. And going to expect the same or more with the cap going up. Look at what Blake Wheeler just got paid. Yeah. And he's a little younger, but you know, Pavelski's well into your thirties. Pavelski's scoring hasn't dropped off enough. Man, they, I, so the the what the Sharks have in their favor beyond those contracts I just listed, they have mm-hmm. nothing long term. I mean, nothing at all long term. So they've got total flexibility. Yeah, they've got like what four UFAs but, next year. But you're, ta- I mean, look at all the teams that have won the Cup in the last decade plus. None of them have done it really from the net out. I mean. The the Blackhawks more so than the other teams mm-hmm. with Seabrook and Keith, but even I mean they had Kane and Taves, who are both better than I think any of the forwards the Sharks currently have under contract. Yeah, at the time, Kane yeah. certainly. Oh yeah, they don't have they which don't I hate have... to say, but you know he is obviously Crosby and Malkin are better than anyone they have in their forward group. Evander Kane's a fine forward, but he's just not nothing on there is like game breaking elite. Right. I almost want, I mean, do they try Burns at the wing again? No. Maybe. They, can, I, they can't. I don't think on they the will. On the one hand, I would think they can't. But on the other hand, they've got the league's possibly two best, certainly two best purely from an offensive standpoint, standpoint right-handed defensemen. Mm-hmm. And they can't both play. 27 minutes a night. I mean, I guess they can, but, you know, they mm-hmm. can't be on the same line very reasonably. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not blaming the Sharks because if Eric Carlson's available, you go get Eric Carlson. Oh, yeah. Like, it I makes him a big contender this year. And for this year, yeah, right, right on. Go do it. That's awesome. But for the future, I don't know where this puts them, and I don't know what their plan is. I thought they and, had more cap space available. I really did. What do they have right now? Just under two million left, like one point eight. And see, that's paying a lot of people, like beyond Joe Thornton, and nobody's getting paid much over four. Mm. The cap is going up, but that'd be enough if only Eric Carlson was the guy that need needed paying next year, like, and he's can, not. Can you build a forward core around Evander Kane and Logan Couture? Just alone? <laughs> like, is that the foundation? Like, I don't... I'm not saying the Blues have one of the league's elite forward groups, but I would take, you know, I would take O'Reilly and Tarasenko over those two for mm. sure, and I don't think I'm being a homer saying that. No, I'd take Schwartz and Tarasenko, and those were kind of our two guys mm-hmm. before we had Shen or O'Reilly, and we still had Bacchus and those guys. I would take those two over Couture and Kane. Yeah. And that's when we were a lot weaker at forward, I would say. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know what the long-term plan is for them. I realized today that Doug Wilson has been there 
since they traded for Joe Thornton, which is over a decade now, right? Mm-hmm. I, he's been really good. I'm not saying he hasn't. They've been a contender most of that time. But, like, at some point, do you look at a fresh pair of eyes? Because he's never done it. Like, Stan Bowman will be the GM in Chicago until he decides he doesn't want to be. But, like, what has Doug Wilson actually accomplished? He's basically been... Made the Stanley Cup Finals once. Right. It's like And the, that was far for them. Like, that was the farthest they'd come by a... A country mile. Right. We're first round exits all the time. It's like the David Poyle thing where they're like, he's one of the best GMs in hockey. I'm like, is he? Like, now he's got a good team, but like a blind squirrel could find him exactly. every 15 years on the job. <laughs> I don't know. It's strange to me. It's a strange situation. They're obviously a frightening team this year, mm. but I don't know what the long term future is. Let's talk about one more angle of this. Realistically, nothing probably happens because there's way too much involved here. But to what lengths would you go as the Blues to pilfer this team that is clearly in such a strange and desperate state? I Let me run a trade offer, Pat. Okay. Leaving aside the plausibility of this for a bit. <laughs> okay. I mean, not entirely, because I, I gotcha. think it's somewhat plausible, yeah, yeah. but like leaving aside the fact that it would be like a, a holy crap move, especially at this time of year. Mm-hmm. Would you trade Alex Steen and Jay Bomeister as, yes. as, <laughs> good, <laughs> as the kind of contract alleviation part? Uh, Jake Allen, Robbie Fabry, and Quim Costin, along with... At, at at least a 2020 second round pick, if not a first round pick, and maybe a lower tier prospect. So that's what? Seven things? Seven things. Okay. With the highlights being Coaston, Fabry, and a couple good picks or prospects. Mm-hmm. For Mark Stone, who was on a one year deal at seven and a half million, is a UFA and will get paid. Yeah. And Craig Anderson, who's older than God and is, has two years left at like four something million, about a little more than Allen, but like within a million of Allen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd do it. <laughs> is, that, is that good enough? I think, yeah. I mean, so I would, I would be very interested in Craig Anderson because the Senators are one of the only teams right now where you can say, hey, Jake Allen's young. He's controlled for a reasonable-ish price. Mm-hmm. See if he can work out his head issues in your <laughs> dirt pals. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, like, how many teams are in a place right now where they can take Jake Allen? Not that many. No. But for the situation the um, Senators are in, he's an improvement over Anderson because they want younger Mm-hmm. They want cheaper. I mean, he's not considerably cheaper, but he's a little cheaper. Helps him hit the cap floor. And it, yeah, and they have to have some contract, yeah. so they can't just not spend on anything. Mm-hmm. And he's young and he's controlled, so you know maybe he turns into a stud and and you flip him like that could be their best case scenario instead of signing him long term. Maybe he does like a Bobrovskian sort of. I'm going to go to a different place and become a monster and. They flip him for huge returns. That's great for them. And Anderson, while he's not the league's elite goalie, he's just not going to go to the nether region 
every January. <laughs> and that's like, so, we'll talk about the Dom Session article in a bit. But like, that's so much of the only remaining questions about this team mm-hmm. right now is like, will Jake Allen be a crazy person? It's interesting because I would really like Anderson on here. But it's almost overshadowed to me by the fact that we'd get Mark Stone. Even though well, I don't I was gonna yeah. get there, yeah. Yeah. The obvious thing is here, Mark Stone's a huge stud. And people I don't think give him enough credit because he's in Ottawa. Mm. But he's probably, if not the best, among the best true, authentic old school power forwards in hockey right now. And, I mean, not that he's skillless, not that he's only a power forward, but that real, like, bruising kind of offensive threat. Is he a right-handed shot? He is. He'd be a right wing. So we need that. (laughs) Still. I mean, we've done a little bit, but... And in that hypothetical trade, if he's... If we're trading Steen and Bowmeister, and we're paying him, what, $7 is this one year? Uh You can... You can extend them past then. You just got rid of. Yeah, I mean, you're like you're gonna have to figure dollars. something out. So I did the math. We come out with like, if you're trading all of that, yeah, getting rid of Steam, we come out with like four million ahead. If you didn't trade Steam, you couldn't do it because you don't have the cap space. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not feasible and it won't happen. But like, our. Our offensive group would be insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the line combinations you'd have there. You kind of talked about them yeah. earlier a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you basically have what we would run today, like a Maroon, O'Reilly, Tarasenko, but then you could have Schwartz, Shen, Stone as a second line. Uh-huh. I mean, pretty much a 1B. I mean, that bumps Perron down to your third line. You'd have Fabry gone, but you could possibly put in a Kairou or a Thomas on the wing. And you have Bozek. I don't know. That's That's like a really strong... Like a really, really strong, like top five, top six, easily. Mm. And that's definitely like a top 10, top nine, you know, in the league. Anderson, to me, also is perfect because he's on two years of control, which to me is the perfect length of time for either Huso will be ready to take over Mm -hmm. or he won't be and you have to do something else. But like, it won't be that kind of nebulous of like, oh, we could really use another year to like figure out who this person is. Yeah, everything you comes know. to a head. You have to make a decision right. by that point. And so it's ju- it just makes a lot of sense on paper. Obviously, you couldn't keep all of O'Reilly and Tarasenko and Schwartz and Shin and, and Stone and Maroon long term. Mm-hmm. But maybe you could. I mean, if, if one of them takes a friendly deal, maybe. You've got Shin would be the only one. You know, you kind of have to choose between Shin and Stone and then see if you can get both. Mm-hmm. But other than that, most of them are already controlled longer term. The nice thing is you'd have enough assets that if one of them had to be traded or, you know, at worst case scenario, walk, you have someone like Thomas or Kyra moving up the lineup at that point right. anyways. Right, right, exactly. And we'll talk about them in a little bit. I don't know. It won't happen. But I wouldn't, I would be calling... I'd be calling Pierre Dorian this week if I was any GM in the league mm-hmm. and just saying, what would it take? What's the story? Who's for sale? What do I have to do? Yeah, we talked about this a little bit. Do you think Do you think Stone, Anderson, and let's say Duchesne are all gone before the season's over? I, I can't imagine why they keep them. I know there was a report, a report yesterday 
that says they want to keep them. First of all, why would any of those people choose to stay? Like Duchesne, I don't know if he's a UFA after this year or next year. Oh, I'd take any trade out of there. But well, that. But like, what on earth would give you the indication that they'd re-sign as UFAs? Oh yeah, you know, like there's. I would have no reason to believe that, and I think mm-hmm. they're all three. You know, within the next year or two, going to be UFAs. Yeah, I mean, I get rid of all of them. You got if you're going to rebuild, you're going to rebuild. And when they say we're going to have fifteen or sixteen new faces in here. And one of the not new faces apparently is Mark Mark Berowicki, whose name I don't feel comfortable pronouncing, especially while sick. It's a it's a dumpster. It's a dumpster fire. And so if I'm any GM, I'm calling him and I'm finding out. I'm 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 doing the research because you gotta know. You've gotta know because he's crazy. I'm, or Dorian is at best bad at his job and at worst kind of crazy mm-hmm. and melnick's clearly crazy <laughs> so see what the crazy people will do yeah. for you and now you know the crappy shotgun approach works you don't necessarily if you can do that for eric carlson yeah you can you can shotgun you, even you're less not discussing for some of these Kyrie or thomas oh if no they gave that up for eric carlson no 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 and if they want that, then fine. You've done your due yeah. diligence, and you're out of there. But you're like, getting Clem Costin at best, and I don't and know. And I consider it a favor. I know. <laughs> because he's definitely better than either of those. That's what I, I was going to say. Think. He's better than any of the prospects, I think, than what San Jose gave up. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be, you're right. It'd be worth a call. I'm just saying, give him a call, Doug. This is from your old friend. We know you're listening. Stephen Ground. <laughs> Uh, other trade. The other big trade this weekend was Max Pacioretty being traded finally to the Las Vegas Golden Knights, mm-hmm. which is the only way I will choose to say it ever to mock Canadians a little bit. Uh, in exchange, the Montreal Canadiens and Mark Bergevin's Mark Bergevin's massive biceps. Did you see those yeah. pictures? I'm not making fun of him anymore. He's the steroids. best GM in the National Hockey League, bar none. He's played in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. He knows how to get here. I'm not making fun of him anymore. He knocked the puck into our own net, and I don't think it was his fault <laughs> I anymore. I think I the don't. net should have gotten out of the way. Yeah. It's really on the net. We're so sorry, Mark. For standing there. We're so, so sorry. Please spare our lives. I'll, I will try to remember to retweet a picture of his guns because they're horrifying. My God. They are Hulk Hogan 79-inch pythons or whatever he has. Sometimes I do think, like, dude, just buy a bigger shirt. Yeah, that for sure. Like, that can't be comfortable. You've no. got to be losing circulation <laughs> a little bit. That's why you can see all his veins. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, they did not trade Mark Bergevin, perhaps greatly to the distress of some Montreal fans. They did, however, get Thomas Tomash Tatar, uh, for whom the Knights traded that uh, the aforementioned first, second, and third round pick at this last year's deadline. Uh, they traded Nick P- Nick Suzuki, who was the thirteenth overall pick in last year's draft, two thousand seventeen their second-ever first-round pick. Uh, And then they traded a 2019 second-round pick that came from Columbus, I assume, to take the David Lake Wander Clarkson or whoever contract. (laughs) Somebody named David. 
Oh, Clarkson. Clarkson. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. And then Pacioretty signed a four-year, twenty-eight million dollar contract, which I've got to say, I think is really reasonable. I think the 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 Knights did well there to not give him crazy term. Mm-hmm. Yes, he had a down year last year. I'm personally not worried about that. The team was terrible. He was injured a big part of the year. You got, I mean, you got to pay the man to keep the man. Mm-hmm. You've got all the cap space in the world. What do you think about the trade overall? I think it's fine. I think for, I think for Vegas, it's okay. I think Montreal actually, for once in the longest time, actually got a win in a trade, uh-huh. or like maybe just the better shake a little bit. And for them, that's a massive win. Uh-huh. Like any win's a massive <laughs> win. I mean, Mark Bergevin learned not to do one for once, not a Subban for Weber, not a Sergachev for Druin, not a Galchenyuk for Domi. He actually went for the small shotgun approach, and what he got back, I think it worked. Suzuki's a fine prospect. They got, what, a second rounder out of it? And Tatar can play up and down their lineup. They're kind of in, I'd almost say, like a mini rebuild in a couple of different ways. Tatar's still young, too, right? Yeah, I mean, he's probably, I don't know how young he is, but he's not necessarily old. I want to say, like, late 20s, but I could be completely off base. What I like you about this are wait for it. Correct. Twenty seven years old. Okay. He's a little bit younger. He's than I also thought. amongst their forwards, how many do you think are paid more than Tomash Tatar? How much is he making? Four point eight million dollars. Um four forwards make more. One forward. Wow. Jonathan Drouin is making more than Tomas Tatar. How much is he making? 5.5. Wow. What a disaster that was. (laughs) Tatar had 34 points last year, but 20 goals, even between his two stops. He did play 82 full games, which is impressive. Uh, he did get benched at one point in the playoffs and didn't do much there. Oh, for a couple games. Tatar's a player I like. I don't, like you were saying, I don't think he's going to make a huge impact for you, but I think he'll be fine mm-hmm. wherever you kind of throw him. And for a rebuilding team, he's that kind of, you know, Brad Boys kind of guy where it's like he's going to score goals. Yeah. Some. He may not do anything else, but somebody's got to score goals occasionally, you know. I think Montreal got a good package for a player that GMs all around the league are going to point to and say, I know he scored 30-plus goals in like the four seasons prior to this, uh-huh. but he's older, he's in his 30s, and he just scored 17. Yeah. I'm not going to pay you a lot. Regardless of past past history, recent history says... I'm not paying you a lot for him. Right. And so I think they got a decent return. Um, they've got a legitimate 30-goal scorer now in Vegas. Not that William Carlson trash. <laughs> That's a little mean. He's not trash. But, I mean, let's be fair. We've He's not in the dumpster, but he is dumpster adjacent. <laughs> yeah, he's getting close. <laughs> Which isn't even true, but he's not going to score 30 goals, I don't think. I don't. I think 30... I think, would be a miracle, and 40 is certainly off the table. Yeah, I think Pacioretty is much more likely to score 30 goals than William Carlson is this year. Mm. What's interesting about the trade for Pacioretty, though, is the fact that 
They essentially gave up a first, a second, a third, Nick Suzuki, and their and another second. First. Yeah. So like two firsts, two seconds, and a third. Some of which are players for so, Max Pacioretty. So I'm glad you mentioned that. That's a lot. Because on paper, I like this trade fine for the Knights. No, I think I still think I it's think, okay. I think Pacioretty, analyzing the trade in the vacuum, Pacioretty's obviously the best player. Mm-hmm. I think he adds to their forward group roughly what they lost in James Neal, maybe a little more. And he's a leader. I think he'll be renewed leaving Montreal, where the pressure has been so high for so long. I think he could really surprise some people this year and mm-hmm. put up maybe even 35 goals. So great. I mean, and I don't, th- I mean, I like Nick Suzuki a lot, but he's not a Robert Thomas. He's not a, you know, an Andrei Svechnikov. Mm-hmm. He's not, and I'm not even saying Thomas and Svechnikov are the same, but he's not a can't miss elite NHL prospect. He's fine. Yeah. Um, with that said, I feel like the cracks are starting to show a little bit in George McPhee. Mm-hmm. And it's the bloom's not off the rose there and probably won't be for a little while. But I don't think he's that good a GM. I think the expansion draft happened at the right time and was unique and weird enough that and he got right to rules. take away. He yeah. got to take, and I'm not saying it was unfair. No, that's not my point. But it's all st- the other GMs participated in their own. It demise. was still the most lenient expansion draft which by is, far, which is fine. But he just so happens to be the GM. Mm-hmm. And on top of everything else, he took advantage, and I'll give him credit. He took a lot of advantage of GMs like whoever was. Was it still Dave Talon? In yeah, someone like that, Florida. Yeah. That made stupid decisions. <laughs> so credit to him. But I think they're a little too eager to be a team that is currently relevant to remember the fact that they have no foundation still. They don't have long-term stars. I think I love Cody Glass as a prospect. Mm-hmm. Good and, for them for keeping them in yeah, this trade. right. That would have been like a queer loss to me if they got oh, rid of yeah. him. But he's a ways off still. I mean, not a ways off, but a year probably off. Yeah. And he's one person. Beyond that, they don't have that deep a farm system. They still have a lot of picks. But I think the reality for the Vegas Golden Knights, personally, is that the crater is still coming. Mm-hmm. The crater that every expansion team is supposed to start often and dig their way out of is still coming for the Knights. I just think he's done enough to postpone it three or four years. But I'm not sure that as a result he hasn't made it worse. It's all it's getting rid of assets for things like you said to make the team look fancy now. Mm-hmm. And I like it. I like it as a fan because it makes them interesting. I mm-hmm. get to pay attention to a new team, but you're right, I don't know I don't know how big that crater is going to be. There's yeah. going to be one, and if he does a little bit of legwork and recoups some pieces, or maybe hits a home run on some of these picks, they can come out of it, you know, unscathed, you know, fan base wise. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just don't know because it seems like they're really, I think they're really clinging on to that. We were in the cup final and now we just got to be relevant right now. And like you said, there's not, they almost need to start making trades for prospects, if not hitting home runs on picks, because there's a gap. There's most certainly a gap. Which is not to mention the fact that, and we've talked about it before on here, they are in a city that I am confident within a decade will be a four sports city. Mm Mm-hmm. The Raiders, the Raiders will be there yeah. next year or the year after. That's going to be a big draw. MLB is talking expansion and is openly talking Vegas. And why wouldn't they be? I mean, Vegas has a pretty expe- pretty successful AAA franchise and are one of the fastest growing cities in the U.S. What's, and their name? What's the name of the AAA franchise? Uh, Do you know? I think it is the Aces, but I'm not sure. I wanted to make sure that it was a gambling thing because it's so much Which better be than the Golden Knights. a double Knights. entendre with, you know, pitching Aces. Yeah. So they couldn't oh. really miss that one. Oh, see, there you go. Um, well done. But um, they, and then they already have the arena for basketball. I yeah. And that's just a matter of time, I would think. So... Especially with, you know, sports betting being legalized around the country. I mean, well, not everywhere, but, you know, the Supreme Court ruling. That stigma is going to come off. And I just, I hope for the sake of the league and for the sake of this franchise that they haven't put themselves in a, in a situation where the crater comes at the same time that all these sexy new teams come to the market and um, they, you know, drop out of contention entirely. They're the Las Vegas 51s, excuse me, because I think they used to be uh, closer to Roswell, I guess. Okay. Oh, no. Area 51 is in Rachel, Nevada. I don't know why I always thought it was in Roswell, but... Yeah, so did I. I guess that's a different thing. So, anyway, um, still a cool name, but maybe the pitch, maybe the team, maybe the triple, maybe the MLB team can be the aces. Someone's got to make a gambling <laughs> team. Jesus, come on. It's not that hard of a pitch to hit. Um, anyway, enough doom or gloom for them. Tyler Sagan signed his extension. We discussed it last week. Lo and behold, it's over. They put out a video that was Mario-themed. It was pretty cool, except he scored on Jake Allen Bowser at the end. You both scored and Which killed Jake Which makes Allen. Bowser's Castle a great new name we can use to send Jake Allen to. You're right. In our running collection of them. It's a top one now. He took but, a blue shell to the head. <laughs> uh, eight years, $9.85 million. That's about perfect for both sides, I think. Mm-hmm. Tavares made 11, but he made it on seven years. Yeah. So he's making more than Tavares. By, yeah, by 1.8 by, million total. Yeah. But still, you can say I'm making more than Oh, Tavares. no, yeah. He's about the same player as Tavares. I mean, overall, talent-wise, they play slightly different games. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Kudos to the Stars for getting it done. I think they did a good job keeping it under 10. I think that's, mm-hmm. I mean, just barely, but... In this day and age, with all these contracts kind of going up and double digits, the I think they did a really good job. The Stars are a team, by the way, and we'll talk about it more when we get to Traverse City eight year, eight hours from now. But <laughs> uh, we could literally drive to Traverse City <laughs> in the amount of time that it will take us to record this podcast. 
the stars are a team that I'm really scared of, and thank God they didn't get Eric Carlson. Oh, I'm glad he's not in this position. Um, the other, a couple other news items. There was a weird nebulous news where the Columbus Blue Jackets and and Yermo Yarmo Kikalainen would not commit to either of Artemi Panarin or Sergei Bobrovsky being on the roster on opening night. They're not signing contract extensions. I don't think either one of them will be. Mm-hmm. So, who I'm knows? So, I'm sorry, Columbus. You're not going to have either of them next season. That's just a rumor. Yeah, it sucks, but it sucks to suck. So, <laughs> um, and then the the big shocking news item of the week that we won't spend a lot of time on both because... We're running through time quickly, and because we can't really, we can only speculate so much about the implications of it at this point. Uh, Steve Eisenman, who of course is the phenomenally successful general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, or was, uh, stepped down out of the blue on Tuesday, I guess it was, Monday or Tuesday. Um, he's going to take, you know, kind of an advisory side gig in the front office in Tampa Bay for the time being, and Julian Breezebois is going to take over as his replacement. I was in Michigan when this happened. A lot of Red Wings fans pretty convinced that he's going to be the new GM. I honestly think if the Red Wings were going to replace Ken Holland, they'd have done it already. But maybe, maybe one of those two goes to Seattle. And the other one goes to whichever of the teams that, you know, oh, man. the other one stays with or goes to the Red Wings. Seattle is already my favorite number two team, and they're not even in the league yet. And you get Steve Eiserman as your GM. Ooh, baby. Maybe Steve Eiserman's just like, eh, I'll take the challenge. You know, kind of that Theo Epstein of like, I already broke the first curse. I'm going to break the second one. <laughs> That'd you know? be cool. Um, whatever the case, certainly shocking news. I mean, it's kind of the best time for him to do it because, like, nothing for the team to do right now except Carlson immediately went to the Sharks. So, really dropping the ball, <laughs> Breezebois. But um, I think Breezebois, similar to the Bill Armstrong type, where it was like he needed a promotion or who is going to get out of town pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So, that could play a role here, too. Honestly, we don't know more than that, so why dwell on it any longer yeah. unless you have anything to add? Best of luck, Steve, in whatever you do. <laughs> in all your future endeavors. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, when we were leaving Traverse City, when the final game finished, while well, the championship game was still going on in the other rink, because they have two rinks there, but when the you know, the the third place game finished. They wished us something like best of luck in all our future endeavors. And they were like, you know, all fans, coaches, scouts, and players, best of luck in your future endeavors. <laughs> and I'm like, are they firing us as fans from this now tournament? Get out. Um, but anyway, let's move on to some blues news. By the way, I'm sure we forgot some league news mm-hmm. that is very worthy of discussion. But it's already been an hour, <laughs> and we'll get back to it if we're reminded of it next week. Yeah. <laughs> the Blues signed Jordan Schmaltz to an extension finally. It's two years. It's $1.4 million. Year one is two ways. Mm-hmm. Year, one, year two is one way, which I think is really clever. 
I've never. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I don't know that I have either. Maybe we haven't. Just didn't know. There was that yeah. thing with Ben Bishop where it was like you gotta put him in the NHL enough by your whatever, or he can opt out. You know, where we okay. ultimately had to trade him situation. But um, yeah, so you can put weird hiccups into contracts. But I think this is perfect. For Schmaltz, I still think he'll probably be our seventh defenseman this year. I don't think he's, like, never going to touch the NHL ice. Mm-hmm. Um, but next year it guarantees him a role with some NHL team. I was like, when we trade them. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a good deal for him. It's a great deal for the club because they have to put him somewhere to have the cap space for mm-hmm. him. So you have anything more to add on that? No, I, I think you'll see... I think you'll see 20-plus games this year. I don't yeah, even I know if he's we'll played that many yet. I he's don't think... played, yeah, not that many, I yeah. don't think. Under 50, we had him in the prospect pyramid still at yep. age, like, 25. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy they signed him. It, I'm just glad everyone signed, basically. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, training camp for the Blues begins tomorrow on Friday, which will be today by the time you're hearing this. Um <gasps> This is the day that they lift all the weights and make them run real fast, and they go, this is your fastest player, and this is your strongest oh, really? player. I think so. That's cool. I love it, because Roman Polak, I believe, was our like always our strongest player. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't care. He can't do anything else. Who's going to be the player with the best cheekbones? It can't be Dominic Bach, because he's already been shit <laughs> um, Tyler Bozak, end of story. There you go, that's an easy, yep, that's an alley-oop right there. Uh, there's going to be two public sessions Friday at 10 a.m. and 11.45 a.m. They'll be at the mills. You can go for free and sit on the bleachers and enjoy seeing Ryan O'Reilly and company in blues jerseys for the first time. Uh, on Saturday at the newly rechristened, well, not newly rechristened, but officially redecorated Enterprise Center. I drove past the letters on the way back from Traverse City. It looks very nice. It's just nice to have a logo. <laughs> Excuse me. He's a logo up. for a company that exists on our <laughs> on our stadium. Mm-hmm. A company that means anything to me. Enterprise, we'll pick you up. Yep. And we'll be picking up a cup, baby, at the Enterprise Center. In 2046. Uh, I was like, we all uh, have to have a laugh, don't we? Uh, <laughs> they'll be there on Saturday at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. 10 a.m. is the big scrimmage if you are interested in going to that. And I don't know if they'll have the upper bowl closed or open or what the situation I think will I be. read that they said they'd have it open specifically because the seats are brand new up there. Okay. So cool for people who want to see that. So go up there, do drugs, make <laughs> out, whatever the teenagers are doing these days. Both at the Both. same time. Oh, for sure. A number of players have already been jettisoned from the play- from the training camp roster. <laughs> Dominic Bach is headed back to Sweden. Bach to Sweden. Sorry. Well done. Jared Thomas has been reassigned to the AHL. He's not Robert Thomas. He's a fine player, but he's not Robert Thomas. Uh, Matthias LaFerriere, Trenton Bork, David Noel, Tyler Tucker. Basically, our entire draft class will be heading back to the teams we drafted them from. Uh, I guess that's not all that abnormal. I'm a little surprised Bach has been assigned that quickly, but we all know it's going to be a few years for him, so Mm -hmm. why pretend? Uh, Luke Opilka is... 
having or had hip surgery again, I think it's probably it for him in terms of being any kind of significant prospect, which he never really was. But I think he's you know. from the area. Yeah, I think I believe Kachuk so. got his hands on him, and that's why we drafted him. Mm-hmm. So. so best of health to yeah. him. I mean, it'd be awesome if he came to the NHL and still had an impact, but I wouldn't count on it. Uh, Eric Foley suffered a concussion at the um, Traverse City Tournament, and I don't know if he's you know, out for the whole of training camp or just until he's healthy again or what the situation is there, but he's out for the time being. And then it was reported that Jake Allen will miss 10 to 14 days with back spasms. How you can have back spasms when you haven't done anything yet (laughs) is a question I would like to pose to you. Are these back spasms or are they back spasms (laughs) in air quotes? I think he's already getting nervous that he has to play hockey again. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. Been to Bowser's Castle. Mm -hmm. Tyler Sagan bonked him on the head, and now he's afraid. And that's it. Of Luigi, yes, very (laughs) much so. Um, I don't know. You hear back spasms a lot in hockey. I don't pay that much attention to. You hear he's getting traded to Ottawa. Who knows? Sure, I'll take it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure he'll be fine. Um, I guess we'll get to see more Huso. You know, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I'm going to take the silver lining, more Huso in the preseason. Which is a point I wanted to discuss a little bit at some point. I'm not entirely convinced Philly Huso is. Oh, no. Not. I don't want to say our starting goalie, but. It, it goes a little bit with the decision article we're going to talk about in a while, but... Oh, in a long while. What if he's expected to do more than just be an AHL guy? That's my question. This season? Yeah. Oh, I don't think they're going to do that. You think so? Do you? Do you disagree with me? No, you're welcome. Dude. I think if Allen struggles... Uh-huh. Let me rephrase. I think when Allen struggles... There you go. Um... And then we put Johnson in, and everyone goes, oh, no, Johnson's not Carter Hutton. We're going to be looking at the waiver wire for whatever goalie comes down the pipeline. Ugh. I think just to try and keep Huso from getting lit up in the NHL. He could do fine. If they bring him up and use him for 10-ish games, something like that, cool. If they use him for more than that, I'm getting a little worried just because I'm afraid that any amount of, like, too many blow-ups is going to erode his confidence. And maybe I'm just used to that with goalies that seem to have confidence issues. Maybe he doesn't have that. But I would rather we not use Huso until later down the line. I'd like to keep him sheltered in the AHL for as long as we can. That's fair. You're probably right. But Philly Huso will start <laughs> 70 games for the St. Louis boys. So, and we'll win the Calder and Vesna trophies. Do you or think, my name isn't Stephen Ground. <laughs> do you think he has it in him? So at first I thought you were saying you didn't think he had it in him. No, I I, I wouldn't. I mean, he played fine in the AHL last year. Yeah. Maybe he needs more seasoning. I'm not sure Chad Johnson wasn't brought in as kind of a straw man for him. I, I think that's more the point I'm making. Okay. 
I'm not sure it wasn't more of a like Ben Bishop, Brian Elliott situation, but like they didn't want to say it as obviously as they said that at the time. Chad Johnson, I don't know. We'll talk about it with the decision article, but like Chad Johnson, I think he'll be better. I mean, we've talked about it. I think he'd be better as the Blues backup than he was as the Savers backup. But to have that be the solution when Allen goes to uh, the boneyard of the damned. When he goes to the elephant graveyard. We need to write a running list of these. You should. That's what the whiteboard's for. When he goes to the place where the light does not touch in Mm -hmm. the Beyond Pride Rock. The elephant graveyard. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You're right. You said it right. I just wanted to get too specific. Where Whoopi Goldberg and Cheech Marin are. Yeah. And the other one. the other one. When he does all that. Yeah. Is Chad Johnson your solution? No. See, I don't believe that either, but I also don't. You can try Billy Huso, by all means. Like, that's fine. I just get a little worried, so I think our solution is on another team currently. <laughs> fair enough. That's fair. That's at least something. Yeah, it's not Chad Johnson. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Nikita Sashnikov already has a concussion. I want him to thrive. I Now I'm kind of the point where it's like, oh, so this is who you are. How? What did he do? <laughs> he probably ran brain first into like an ATM for cash or something. <laughs> it's what he does. And it, Robbie Fabry has officially been activated from the injured <laughs> reserve, which means nothing. <laughs> no. I, yeah, what? So the, <laughs> the Dom Wasson article. Dom Wasson ran his, is running lengthy season previews for every NHL team. And he must be stopped. And he, <laughs> he's a madman with too many S's and Z's in his name. And he must be brought to justice. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we put out a question on uh, a post on Reddit, on the Blues subreddit, to ask some of you lovely listeners uh, for questions this week, thinking we wouldn't have a lot to cover. Oh, silly me. <laughs> what a foolish decision I made in a hotel room at Traverse City at 12 in the morning. Um, Jackie underscore Chan <laughs> underscore effect asked about the decision article saying, I was hoping to get your thoughts on the Dom L article on The Athletic that came out. I think his model is in agreement with you about our goaltending situation, except it's more skeptical skeptical of Chad Johnson. I'd like to hear what you got, agree with and disagree with. Would you like to start or would you like me to start? Um... I can start. What if I give them a little background? Fair enough. On the on the model they have here. I'll try not to go too lengthy, but I copied down just a few little quotes from it to kind of explain Dom as I'm going to say, loose chickens. <laughs> Thank you, creative underscore funny, funny underscore name. Uh-huh. I believe that was him. Um, All of these people have real names, but they're not on Reddit, so... If you want us to say your real name, you're going to have to give us a little heads up. Give us your real name. A soch. At this point, creative <laughs> underscore funny underscore name has to be enjoying the running joke. Yeah. I'm sorry that you just wanted to have spaces and this is what you got. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but I'm not going to stop. So how does Dom's model work? And he says... 
Basically, I rate every team by their expected win percentage based on a model's projections and feed that into an Excel spreadsheet. Great. That Nerd. Has, <laughs> yeah, this spreadsheet has the entire 2017-2018 schedule. I guess, yeah, the, for this one it would be 18-19. I estimate the chance of each team winning each game while also accounting for which team is at home and how much rest both teams have had. I then add that all together to get standings for the season as well as who made the playoffs and eventually who wins the Stanley Cup. From there, I use some code, great, that's an, a nebulous term, uh, to repeat the process 50,000 more times to figure out an average simulated season. Cool. <laughs> You're right. Nerd. It sounds really interesting to me. I'd love to, I think he has another article that goes into more depth on it, because I'd just love to see And let math. us now read it to you. Covered it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, um, basically, what goes into those projections? Dom says the projections are entirely at the player level and are based on an all in one stat I created a little over a year ago called Game Score. It combines all the basic box score stats into one number to measure a player's value. As one season isn't really enough to get a good read on a player, I use the last three seasons instead. The seasons are weighted by recency using a multivariate regression, and the results of that are regressed to the mean based on the repeatability of each component and the size of each player's sample. This sounds like my class. <laughs> After this, I'm going to need you to stay here and read this so I can actually sleep tonight. <laughs> Don't worry, there's also an age adjustment as we expect players to get better as they move towards their prime and worse as they move away from it. Lastly, there's a small adjustment for usage, which he means is the whole model. Cocaine usage. (laughs) How accurate are these? Last year, they were within 9.9 points, plus or minus, of the actual results. That sounds bad. So not. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds bad. But they're largely... Oh, that's largely because last year was much less predictable than recent seasons. He doesn't say why. Compared to every other public point projection i found this model is actually the best one go me keep in mind that's just one season but it's all pretty good that's still pretty good you can also see uh mccurdy's assessment the athletic must just be bonkers oh yeah (laughs) or this guy must just be that level of nerd oh i think he's that level okay so basically he has a game score it takes account into like every stat, every individual stat possible: goals, assists, points, faceoff wins, hits, blocks, the whole the whole nine yards, and condenses into one number to rate a player. Kind of like when you go on, you know, NHL eighteen so like fantasy hockey. Yeah, exactly. Points. You just get you get one solid number. This guy's three point two. This or guy's something. an eighty eight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then he uses that to basically average out the team. It shows that also accounts for their usage and like what positions they play, and then he also weighs that against your team's uh, schedule that year. It has a lot to do with who's rested on what days, how many games you played in a row, whether you're on the road or whether you're at home. So it's pretty much just jamming every step possible into this model to mm-hmm. predict how a team's going to do. He was working from the bottom up, so thirty. Where his model predicted was the thirty-first team in the league up, I believe. And he hit 18, and that was the St. Louis Blues, which was a little shocking, I mm-hmm. think, for Blues fans at least, because I think Blues fans would put us top 10 in the league at this point. And so he went on to explain. I don't know if you have some of that. I have some of it down, too, but I just want to let you talk. I have a little bit to say. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and, and do 
explain why, and I'll, then I'll give okay. some of my reactions. So where does Dom's model have the Blues? He says, going strictly off of raw talent, the Blues are the 16th-ranked team in the NHL with 93 points. That's where they started. But things change once a season is simulated 100,000 times because it takes into account strength of schedule. For the Blues, it means dropping under two teams and losing 1.5 points of value, hence the 18th spot. A tougher schedule has plagued a number of Central Division teams, but in the Blues case in particular, it's due to a high number of games where the team is at a rest disadvantage. The Blues will be less rested than their opponents 10 more times than when they are more rested. To wit, they have four games that will be in their sixth and nine, four times where they'll have six and nine, or six games in nine days, basically. One of the most brutal stretches in hockey. One such stretch comes in the final week of the season. I haven't done any league-wide schedule analysis, but it's safe to say the Blues are one of the teams getting hurt most by the league's schedule makers. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. They don't want us to win a cup. I noticed that when I looked at the schedule that it seemed like we had some some times in January and February we're on the road and we're on the road for long periods of time and we've got a lot of games together. Mm-hmm. So I can understand where a model would take into effect where you would think, well, they're going to struggle. You've also seen teams... The flip side of that to me, though, is you could be red hot during those two weeks. Oh, yeah. You've seen teams do really well... When they go on long road trips mm-hmm. before, they bond really well, and all of a sudden they just go on a heater. Yeah. So it's possible that could happen too. Again, this is just a model that's just trying to predict things. Four week dad trip. You yeah. never lose a game. <laughs> so we'll get into the meat of why he thinks the Blues or Dom's model thinks the Blues aren't going to be that great this year. Strength of schedule is only one part of the reason the Blues aren't ranked or as ranked as low as they are. The second issue, though. The problem with St. Louis is unsurprisingly in net. Jake Allen was a star in the playoffs two seasons ago, but has been largely inconsistent as a starter the last two seasons. His save percentage of .91 ranks 38th among goalies who have played 25 or more games. He did have a .92 in the season prior to that, but that's starting to become a distant memory at this point. What further sullies Allen's numbers is that the Blues have also a reputation... No one good when it says sell. I know. <laughs> is that the Blues have a reputation of being a stingy defense. Over the last three seasons, Allen's save percentage is .913, but this expected save percentage based on the shot quality he's faced should be .917. The difference is 48th among goalies over that span. Last year was a new low for Allen, he says, as the .906 save percentage... He posted was significantly lower than the expected .916. This is also, he goes into, by GSAA, Allen was a minus 15.9. Now, would you like to know what GSAA is? I would love is? to know what GSAA is I'm because glad. I'm worried some listeners will want to hear the end of this podcast <laughs> and we won't give it to them. We'll give them this. GS, I like the stat though. No, advanced stat, GSAA or goals saved above average. You take the league's average save percentage and apply it to the amount of shots a particular goalie has faced. You get a number of goals that the average goalie in that league would have surrendered if they faced the same number of shots as the goaltender in question. That number gets compared to the number of goals surrendered by the that goaltender and a plus or minus is created. If a goalie is in the positive, that is how many goals they have saved compared to a league average goalie. 
If they are in a negative, then it's safe to assume that they are performing worse than how a league average goaltender would perform in that same situation. So you're telling me that a negative 15.9 GSAA is not very good? It is not great. (laughs) Okay. Well, but we've got Chad Johnson, don't we? Yes. As far as roster construction importance goes, backup goalie is one of the lowest priorities on the list. But for the Blues, it may be part of what sinks an otherwise stacked team. (laughs) Johnson is one of the lesser goalies in the league and a significant downgrade from what the team had in 2017-18 when Carter Hutton put up surprisingly elite numbers behind Allen last season. In fact, his GSAA of 16.9, that's a positive 16.9, counteracted Allen's struggles, giving the team an illusion of average goaltending. With Hutton and Buffalo, it's now Allen or nothing, a scary proposition given how his career has turned of late. So, uh, I'll say some stuff now, I guess. Yeah, my mouth's out of saliva. A A lot of what he says about the goalies in particular, I agree with. I mean, we haven't been shy on this podcast about saying, hey, if Jake Allen can't get his crap together, a lot of what we've done this offseason is for naught. Because you can't mm. fix that. I mean, if he just goes to the Hobbit's <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing. If he goes to the mouth of Mordor again. There we go. <laughs> and just teeters over Mount Doom for four weeks, we're going to be Mount Doom. <laughs> um Mm-hmm. I really don't believe Chad Johnson will be as bad as he was in Buffalo here. This team makes... Carter Hutton was not a 17 or whatever GSAA above average before he came to the St. Louis Blues. This team makes adequate goalies. It makes not adequate goalies. Brian Elliott was on the scrap heap before he came to the St. Louis Blues. It makes less than adequate goalies great goalies, and then it ships them off to be, at best, adequate goalies again. Was Brian Elliott a PTO? I think he had a con. No, I think you're right. I think it was a PTO that we then signed. We can make that look good. Yeah. Well, remember, a couple of teams the year before we got him gave up on him. I think both the Avs and Sens cut him at some point during the season. Mm-hmm. But I'm not projecting Chad Allen to be, or Chad uh, Johnson to be the new Carter Hutton. With all that said, a couple of overall points. Dom's projections are amazing. And I'm we're, we are both all about stats, stats, stats. But we do have to remember these are just computer projections. Mm-hmm. This is especially true to me on a team where there's been so much turnover. No computer could have predicted Schwartz and Shin having the chemistry they had last year, for example. And Dom even said, my model was skeptical of Shin's addition last season, but he proved it wrong quickly by looking like a legit first-line talent. Another season like that, and my model will have more certainty about his true talent level, as the two years prior will hold back his proje- will still hold back his projections slightly. So imagine if O'Reilly and Tarasenko find that kind of chemistry, mm-hmm. or even to a lesser extent, a Bozak and Perron or whoever. 
you can't project for that. And so, and he even said, you were talking about it, it's, it's all on the individual level. Mm-hmm. So there's no way of knowing how the team will play together. There were a couple of points, and they're kind of nitpicky, that I just didn't disagree, didn't agree with that he said. He said, um, he said for one thing, that Thomas Robert Thomas will be the fourth line center. And then he said, it's possible Cairo could join him, saying that, that quote, that would give the Blues a four, young fourth line with some defense depth, with some definite scoring upside. They're not calling up both Cairo and Thomas to be on the fourth line. Yeah, I don't no think way. they're calling up either Kyrou or Thomas to be on the fourth line. And if Thomas is on the fourth line to start, he is not staying there. So that to me was just like, he can't know everything about every team and every prospect. But to me, if those guys are playing in the NHL, they're going to have a bigger impact than he's expecting. He also talked about um, how the projection was tough because a lot of these guys got a goal on the power play got goals on the power play and they won't all have minutes there and the Blues struggled there anyway which to me you could just as easily read that in the reverse and say the Blues have struggled on the power play but all these guys they've added are good on the power play so now they have to have a good power Mm -hmm. play and 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 I really I I like the projections and I think the core of what he's saying is that the season hinges in large part on the goaltending being adequate and I agree with that like Mm -hmm. if if Jake Allen is Super bad Jake Allen again. We're not gonna have a good season. I don't think anyone would deny that. Um, I just think um, I like what he said. The old model, the old adage is that all models are wrong. Some are useful. In this particular case, my model may be completely off base when it comes to forecasting the Blues this season, but it remains useful in highlighting that the team could have a fatal flaw that could undo the makings of what otherwise would look like a top 10 team. I think that's kind of the perfect summary of the point he's Mm -hmm. making, and to that extent, I totally agree with it, which is part of why I think what if Houston is expected to play play a bigger role than we think he did, but I think you made a good point about that. It's just as likely they go trade for a goalie or pick one up off of waivers than mm-hmm. call up Huso. And I think that someone made that point, I think, and just underneath the article on The Athletic was they were saying, you know, your projections can't factor into or don't factor in and obviously can't us getting a different goaltender, us mm-hmm. going with a different goaltender, any sort of trades. And you would think if Allen struggles, it's, they're just not going to let him sit there. As much as I've read... Like Jeremy Rutherford and stuff say, well, what do you want the Blues to do? That's really all they got. And I'm like, well, that's all they got now when the season hasn't started and we don't know where other teams are sitting. But, like, there's no way they're just going to let them sit there and be like, well, I guess we lose this season. We've done too much this summer. Too big to fail. To let Jake Allen torpedo the season. Too big to fail. And and I, I don't care what Doug Armstrong says. He has to have contingency plan. Mm hmm. In place, and I don't know what they are, but for one for one damn thing, <laughs> Brian Elliott could probably be had again, you know. And I'm not saying that's the solution either, but like, they have to be better than Dark Place Jake Allen, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a lot of there's a lot of possibilities. I don't think you know that this this the way this was framed by Dom is kind of like well. 
if Jake Allen's bad. And the, and part of what he didn't really capture in there was there were times even last season where Jake Allen was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so the way he kind of framed it was like, well, if Jake Allen's bad and he's bad all season, the team will be bad. I just don't think there's a world in which we just let Jake Allen be bad all season. That's true. I do. I even forget that sometimes with my my oh, terribly I too, shaded but... sunglasses of how much I uh, don't trust Jake Allen. But yeah, it's not. He's inconsistent. He was great in November, in October. He mm-hmm. was okay in November, and then he kind of really fell off. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just think it's it's a worst case scenario. The worst case scenario he could come up with was 18th. Mm-hmm. And and the strength of schedule bill will be an interesting thing to really monitor as the season goes on, but you can only do so much of that by projection. But he ran at a hundred thousand times. That's true. He sure did. And also the other problem with that is you can't really know strength of schedule ahead of the season. Because like last year if you'd done it, the Blackhawks would have been a really strong opponent mm-hmm. and then they fell off the face of the earth. So That's a good point. Um I mean and all of that is to say I'm not making excuses. The models really got the core point correct. Mm-hmm. I just don't want people to look at it and be like, oh, the season's already over, because you can't. That's why they play the game. Mm-hmm. And you're you already a Blues fan. to win the game. <laughs> they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. <laughs> okay. Playoffs? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, would you like to talk about Traverse City now? Would you? I wasn't at Traverse City. No, I had to view it through a computer screen with one camera that swiveled back and forth with the action. And I was sitting right in front of the cameraman a lot of the time. Before you go into your Traverse City spiel, I will say that it is actually a little nice. I mean, you saw the same thing, obviously, because you didn't have announcers either. It was nice to watch hockey without announcers a little bit. Just get, like, the hockey rink sounds Uh and just kind of, you know... Take it all in. I don't know. It was it was a little refreshing. I like J.K. I like Darren Pang. I just think it's kind of cool sometimes. Just sort of to like just hear hockey, hear it yeah. through your TV screen. Anyway, no, that was really cool. Um, let me tell you just some about the weekend in general, yeah. and then we can dig into the meat of it. I had the grandest time. I'm very jealous. It sounded amazing. And I'm already. I don't know feasibly how this is possible. But I definitely want the two of us to go back next year. Other friends, I'd love to have like a podcast caravan. Yeah. I have no idea how any of that is remotely possible, but man, that'd be cool. Um, I went up with friend Garrett, who we've friend Garrett, that sounded really <laughs> robotic. I went up with my friend Garrett. See how possessive pronouns work, people. Uh, who we've mentioned plenty on the podcast before. He went up last year, and in our wee infancy days, uh, we used some of his notes to talk about prospects from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he invited me to go up, and it was possible, and, and I wanted to do it, and we made it happen. And it's all thanks to him that I got to go, so big shout-out to Garrett. Um, this, the city is really cool. Um, it's really like it's right on the shore, right on the shore of Lake Michigan. Uh, there's two bays, so it's like there's a big peninsula that goes out into the center of Lake Michigan, and the, and the most of the town 
is along the bays, like at the base of the peninsula. But this peninsula, there's this really scenic, beautiful drive out to the edge of that peninsula. And at the very edge of that peninsula, apparently, is the midway point between the North Pole and the equator, which is cool, I guess. Um, but hmm. there's a lighthouse. It's all cool. I stepped into Lake Michigan. That was neat. But anyway, the town is really beautiful. It was, I mean, the weather is amazing this time of the year. It was low to mid seventies the whole week, chilly at night, perfect weather for existing in my <laughs> opinion. Like if I could yeah. set the world thermostat, it'd be 68 all the time. And like with a light breeze, <laughs> you know? Um, so that was all cool. Um, there was one story I had to relate because it gave us quite a laugh the whole weekend. There's a radio station up there that, for whatever, it's basically the equivalent of St. Louis as the arch in terms of what they play, 80s, 90s, whatever. But for whatever reason, I mean, I guess it's the signal number of the station itself somehow, but it's called Bob FM. But before I knew that, I heard a commercial for the radio station, and the whole of the commercial, quoting from memory, was, are you ever disappointed that your canoodling doesn't involve more noodles? This is Bob, and that was the commercial. (laughs) And we had such a grand time the whole weekend quoting that and just saying, this is Bob (laughs) at random times that I had to tell you all. They also have, this is a big infomercial for Traverse City, Michigan. They also apparently had a place that was voted the best ice creamery in America. And I can tell you, it was pretty darn great. Moomers outside of Traverse City will caravan there when we get the podcast caravan going next year so uh all of that just the city was cool the food Mm -hmm. was cool all that was great the tournament itself was like the bizarrest hockey wonderland i've ever been involved in i was texting you all weekend making you jealous and i'm not like i'm not the guy who like goes up you know and talks to people or like gets autographs or whatever those that's fine if you do that. Garrett was a little more outspoken than I was in terms of like greeting people. But like over the weekend I saw both of the Armstrongs, Bill and Doug, just like I could have reached out and touched either one of them multiple times and did. No. <laughs> uh, I saw Don Waddell, Ken Holland, and Stan Bowman for sure. I probably saw Paul Fenton of the Minnesota Wild, because how the hell would I know what he looks like? <laughs> Uh, Paul, are you here, Paul? Chris Drury was there for the representing the Rangers. Yarmo Kikalainen was there. Uh, the, uh, there was a huge Blues contingent. So Al McKinnis was there. Keith Kachuk was walking around. Tim, the tool man, Taylor with the bottom half and the legs that are <laughs> so great was Solid. there. Uh, there were a billion scouts from a gazillion different teams, and including Steve Plo, Larry Plo's son, who scouts for the Calgary Flames. Um, and then there were just a bunch of reporters who, if you're a nerd like me, you recognize like Craig Custance, Katie Strang, uh, Corey Promen, who's like an idol to me and to us, I think, as mm-hmm. his prospect coverage were there. Talked to Corey Promen a little bit, talked to Darren Pang, like everybody was there. And you're in like a community ice rink, basically. I mean, it's a little bigger than your standard, like. St. Louis kind of community ice rink, but there are two rinks. There's one big hallway. You're all on the second floor. The intermissions, you know, are roughly at the same time. So you're right 
there with all these people. And so that was just really cool. You know, you're just sitting, you know, Mike Yo was there. I saw him a couple of times. Like, you're just standing there watching Mike Yo talk to Katie Strang and being like, I'm going to read that in The Athletic in two hours, you know? <laughs> and, like, it was just cool. Um, as far as the actual watching hockey, I'm sure many of you know that the Blues went one and three at the tournament. Not great. Uh, but uh, the results are not the primary concern. Uh, so why don't I give it over to you to ask any questions you have, since I could just sit here and talk for hours about general observations and not really make any sense. Um, there's there's some questions we get to <laughs> um, in the mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> in the mailbag about specific players, and you can you can guess the names. But I guess. Was there was there a player that stood out to you on the Blues that you really didn't think? I mean, you'd really not thought of at all before, and then you were like, "Whoa, who the hell is this?" Well, the one player who I hadn't thought of at all at all uh, was the raw, the camp invite Bobby McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like twenty two and played in like the ECHL last year, um, and I really hope they sign him to age to the AHL. I mean, I he. At this point in his career, he's probably never going to be more than that. But he was super quick. He had a really nice shot, and he just fought all the time. He was put in in, like, the second or third game and didn't leave the lineup. I think he scored two goals. He was just, like, electric to watch for a player that just, you know, Mm -hmm. is young and you've never heard of. And I think one of the points I read, and it kind of explains our overall performance in the tournament, is that that tournament tends to go towards teams and players that are older, more experienced, bigger, you know, and that the high-talent guys don't always win out, which does explain why Columbus, who came in with the worst farm system, according to Corey Pronman and I'm sure others, won the whole tournament and went undefeated because they had a roster full of, like, you know, college invites and stuff like mm-hmm. that, older, bigger guys. Um so McIntyre was the one, like, totally off the board. Uh, I would say the other prospect that I wasn't, like, going there, like, super excited to watch that really wowed me was Evan Fitzpatrick, the goalie. Um, particularly, I think, in the in the second game, we he played his first... He started the first game, didn't look great. Uh, but in his second game, which was our third game against the Blackhawks, uh, he stopped like forty, like thirty nine of forty three shots or something like that, like some ridiculous number. Um, looked just great. I mean, he, we ultimately lost in overtime, but none of the goals were his fault in any real way. And he stopped, I don't know how many one on one breakaways in over the course of that game, and a couple of big rebounds he turned away. He just looked really poised, really confident. His positioning always looked good. And, you know, he he had such a revolutionary season last year going from really struggling with Sherbrooke in the QMJHL to being traded to Akati Bothurst and, and winning the QMJHL and ultimately the Memorial Cup. Um, I think he's an exciting guy who could really step into kind of Billy Husa's skates um, when Billy Husa moves out the food chain to be the next kind of goalie in waiting. And and the Blues do a good job of always having that guy mm-hmm. in the system. We want one of them to become, you know, the really 
top level goalie. Uh, but Fitzpatrick, you got to remember, was drafted in the second round, I think, like two or three years ago. So maybe he's that guy. I mean, maybe he could be. He looked really great. That's pretty high for a goalie, yeah. And Hofer, who's the goalie we drafted this year, has a lot of size and looks really good in that respect. Um, He's still super young, so you can't read that much into it. But his positioning looked fine. You know, nothing jumped off the page with him. He only got the one start because Fitzpatrick kind of took over when he came back in. But he looked real, he looked fine, too. So I love Fitzpatrick. He's kind of the one I'm most excited to sort of monitor going forward from here. That's cool. Other than, you know, the high-name, mm-hmm. high-impact guys. Not to be a downer, but... Why did everyone suck? I was say, who, who did you think had a little bit of a disappointing showing? Obviously, it's just one tournament. A lot uh-huh. of these guys are really young. But there's still something we said about someone coming out there and kind of laying an egg. Yeah, I mean, the big one that I'm sure you're seeing on Twitter and on message boards, Robert Thomas didn't look dominant. And I think people wanted to come there and see all the things that made him, you know, the guy Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, you know, our prospect rankings. And I'm not going to give him a total excuse, but he is coming off that hip or leg thing. I think it's ankle. Ankle thing. And uh, he is younger. You know, Philip Zadina wasn't a huge standout for the Red Wings at this tournament. Um, Miro Heiskanen of the Stars looked great, but he's, you know, he's a top overall guy from Thomas's draft year, so he's a little older. Um, Guys with more experience, Joe Valena looked really good for the Red Wings, but he was granted exceptional status to play in the QMJHL, so he's been playing junior hockey for three or four years now, you know. So I'm. it's not a total write-off of Thomas, but to to jump all the way off the cliff and be like, oh, he's a bust now, way too far. Mm-hmm. He's shown brightly. Uh, one of the things I really noticed that was positive about him was just his kind of skating confidence. You know, he doesn't have that blazing speed, but he really he knows how to handle his body in the basement. It's great. Then, um, he's got those no, but legs. like, seriously, like he's good at kind of boxing people out. You know, kind of twisting on his skates to kind of maintain control. Um, the whole team looked disorganized. I think that was the biggest problem. And so, you know, he was trying to make passes when he should have shot, trying to shoot when maybe he should have passed. There was a lot of that. He didn't look amazing, uh, but I saw a couple of leadership moments that I really liked. Uh, in the first game, not the first game, in the third game, I want to say the Blackhawks game, or maybe it was the fourth, either way, um, after the first period that we got like three or four penalties called against us and the other team hadn't had any, and he stayed behind to talk to the refs about, you know, hey, this is not a kosher, you know, you were missing calls on them. I mean, I didn't hear it, but he was right in front of me. So, <laughs> and I got the gist. Like, yeah. they did miss calls. And so the next period, it was all calls on the other team and not on us. So th- there were things to like, nothing about his numbers or play particularly jumps off the page at you. But I'm not going to panic yet, mm. I don't think, with him. I already got some, had some nice assists, had some really nice passes. Uh-huh. I think I there read. There were a couple connections with Kairu that were mouthwatering. I was like, that's always good to hear. And it seemed like he's 
so good at passing that sometimes players don't realize that they're going to be receiving the puck at mm-hmm. that point. So I think for some younger players, it's going to be harder for him to gel with. Whereas, like, if he steps in the NHL, people are going to people on this team that have been playing in the NHL for a while will know what he's capable of. Yeah, that was the point. That was a point Garrett made that I think was really good. And he wasn't making it specifically about Thomas, but at one point he said, I think one of the problems with this team has been they have the hockey IQ to know where other people should be, Mm -hmm. but the other people aren't always there. So there were a lot of no-look passes or drop passes that weren't connecting that in an NHL rank probably would because a Tyler Bozak's going to know to be there when the drop pass is coming, whereas a Dominic Bach maybe is not, you know, Mm -hmm. because he's only 18 and he's so young and all that. So that's a really good point with Thomas. I think it, it could be, you know, he's playing down to the level of his teammates. And then just, I think, with any really great center, you just have to have some chemistry with your line mm-hmm. mates, which is why I think he looked really good with um, Kairou a couple of times. But it takes time to develop that thing, and you can't manufacture it in a week at a prospect mm-hmm. tournament. What did you think about the other teams? Or the What other teams stood out to you? Um, well, like I said, Columbus went undefeated. Nothing about them wowed you, mm-hmm. but they were fine. Uh, so the way it works is there's there's two games going on 30 minutes apart. They start 30 minutes apart. So you can focus on one game, and then at intermission, the other game's always kind of going on, so you can sort of sneak a peek at it, but you can't follow every team constantly. So, But we did make a point of seeing every team at least once. I think we maybe saw them all twice. Um a couple of prospects looked really good. Miro Heiskin, and one of the reasons I'm scared of the Stars is he looked so good. I mean, he's a really great puck-moving defenseman in that Carlson, John Klingberg sort of mold. Um, and I think he's ready to step up into you know a really dominant second-line role this year. Um, the Red Wings looked good overall. They had the best line in the tournament. They had Zadina and Valeno and, and Michael Rasmussen all playing on the same line. They're all like top first round picks in the last two years. That line was insane. Uh, the Wild looked okay a lot of the time. The Blackhawks didn't look great a lot of the time. So. Hooray. Yay. Um, Boquist looked unpolished, their first round pick this year in the we got two games, and he wasn't playing in one of them, um, and he was playing in the second one. And he made a couple of great plays, and then a couple that were like, woof. Uh, Dylan Sakura, <laughs> though, is scary. He's probably their NHL readiest forward, and he's got every chance to be this year's Alex Dabrinkat. Um, I'm trying to think if anyone else really stood out to me i i can't always recall each team that was there right mm-hmm. from memory but yeah. i think i mean i think i covered a lot of them jordan greenway of the wild looked like a stud he's huge i mean just even seeing him in the hallway was like oh my god like most of these people you're like oh they're an athlete you know because all the one of the things about this tournament is it's pretty casual but all the players that aren't on the ice are walking around in suits mm-hmm. so anytime you see you know an 18 to 20 year old guy in a fancy suit even if you can't readily identify them from their face you're like oh look that's a player you know and greenway looked massive and a lot of these guys were like oh you're you know unless they had the the typical kind of hockey thunder thighs 
you wouldn't pick him out of a lineup as a pro athlete necessarily. Um, but yeah, I mean, those were some of the players that really stood out to me. And I would say Heiskanen was the one that I was watching and like, uh oh, the most about. <laughs> right, right. What was fan representation like? I mean, were there other Blues fans you saw there? I'm assuming there are quite a few Red Wings fans just being in Michigan. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's huge Red Wings. I mean, it's a Red Wings homer. It's where they host their training camp. So the the Red Wings just stay there and launch right into okay, training I know camp. That. Um, so huge Red Wing contingency. Um, it's like, you know, an hour or so from Grand Rapids where their AHL team is. It's four hours from Detroit. It's a good distance from Detroit. Yeah, because it's north, fans are gonna northwest, get up there. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so obvious, way off the charts of Red Wings. Uh, and then Chicago and New York oh, yeah. Rangers had pretty good contingents. I'm sh- there were some other Blues fans. We ran into a guy who had a Mizzou hat on who had recently moved to Traverse City. Um but we, you know, was there to cheer for the Blues. But I would say our contingency was pretty low. Um, and then there was a lot of parents. One of the one of the really cool things that happened was uh, we were sitting behind a, a pair of folks. Uh, Garrett and I were talking about. Um, we were ranking our teams by preference order, just one to thirty-one, to kill some time before one of the games started. Um, we were talking about it, and at the intermission, the guy who was sitting in front of us came up to him, came up to us, and said, "Hey, I'm curious." And he had a, you know, pretty noticeable Canadian accent, and he said, "Where did you guys put the uh, Maple Leafs on that list?" You know, and we talked to him for a good five minutes, and it turned out he was the uncle of one of the camp invites for the Blackhawks, and he was just this super nice guy, and uh, his the player's mom, who he was there with, his sister, you know both sitting in front of us were really nice. So that was cool to just kind of be with parents of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a lot of those kinds of people, you know, repping their players. And But, uh, I mean, a, a big percentage of the crowd there is scouts and players. Yeah. So, you know, there are the, the bigger teams, the older teams, the closer teams. You know, there were a, a number of Columbus fans. There was one guy who was a Carolina fan who had one of those visors that has fake hair in it. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, gross. I, yeah, and but he was wore it all the time. So, um, but yeah, I mean, th- there were fans of every team, but the big three were kind of those, you know, original six, super, super old, super famous, super big market teams. Cool. What did you did you say anything to Darren Pang? Yeah, Darren Pang was one of the few people I actually talked to. I got to shake his hand, uh, and we talked a little shop about just the team after the first or second game, and he made the point that they. Um, didn't have a lot of different ma- difference makers, which I think was it struck me as odd at the time, but I think it was a good point. Then the, the bottom half of our lineup was a lot of invites and young young guys, and and that was true for a number of teams. But like I said, the Blue Jackets had a lot of guys that were older and more experienced. They weren't mm-hmm. running out Matthias Laferriere to center a third line or whatever, and. And that, I think, was our undoing. But it was cool talking to Darren. He's exactly what you think he is. (laughs) He's short, and he's very polite and very kind. And that's it. Man, I'd want to talk to him He didn't say holy jumping one time. Yeah, that was the hardest thing was to let him go. (laughs) Well, I mean, you could have held on to him. You couldn't have I literally could have. Yeah, I could have just kept him in place. You're mine now. (laughs) 
It's a baby. <laughs> yeah, you just tossed him in the uh, air. Yeah, but he was he was awesome. It was cool to talk to him. I want to run through this roster with you. <laughs> okay. That I, you have provided me, me with it. This is the the whole Blues Traverse City roster. We're gonna get a lightning round of what Stephen thinks of each of these players, which could be nothing. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Peter. He had a really long name and played in some of the games. Mm-hmm. Moving on. He sure did. He was a camp invite. I mean, he's, you know, he may get in the AHL or something. He's from Laval, Quebec. Ah, there you go. And so you probably only say like three of the letters in his name. Mm-hmm. That's it. Dominic Bach. Our boy uh, Dominic. Looked good, I think, showed his youth in a lot of ways. Um, but didn't look lost, didn't look totally, you know, fish out of water. Um, made some nice plays, showed his hands. Uh, I liked him, but mm. nothing extraordinary. I know Pronman had a little blurb about him uh, that I could find and read, and we'll try to do as we do this, but you should move on <laughs> for the time. I was like, I know they talked about him being a little bit of a project. He himself, as we've mentioned before, has said that he knows he's a ways away from the NHL, so not outstanding or out of the ordinary that he's going to be he's going to look a little fresh and kind of needs to get his legs underneath of him especially in north american ice i would think mm-hmm. uh eric foley uh eric foley took a big spill into the boards in game <laughs> two mm-hmm. and went off holding his head and you saw him i mean he was still around after that in the streets well not streets in the suit um and, you know, Garrett talked to him at one point, but he was he left with a concussion, as we already mentioned. Uh, but in the parts he was in, he looked really good. Uh, kind of that older player that has a little better handle on things, scored a goal uh, early in that second game that he left in. Looked fine. I really still like him a lot mm-hmm. um, as kind of that, like we said earlier, kind of that second tier of our, well, third tier of the prospect period. <laughs> the second tier in terms of our prospects specifically. Yeah, don't go contradicting the prospect pyramid. <laughs> that is internet That's law. That's gospel, baby. How about Daylon Gruel? Uh, I met his dad. Very sweet guy. Very blonde hair the son has. And I thought he looked <laughs> fine in the little... He only played in one game. Uh, but in the bits I saw, he looked fine. You know, he's a young, young, young guy. I think he's only 18. Um, and so there will be a while before he... Um, you know, blossoms into a young woman, a, a possible draft pick. I guess I guess yeah. he can still be drafted in later years, like Perunovic was. But That's I thought cool. he looked fun. He was fun. He was cool. Tanner Kaspic. Uh, Tanner Kaspic, I liked a lot. Him and uh, the other one, the other one that I lumped together with him. Whose name is Austin Pagansky? No, no, the other center, Adam Musel. Ah. Uh, they both kind of showed their sort of forward, their sort of third or fourth line control the game, don't do anything flashy, make smart decisions, sort of uh, overall mindset. Really good on the four check, both of them. I think Kaspic looked a little better than Musel throughout the tournament, but I like them both as kind of like bottom six nice additions in the mold of, you know, an Adam Cracknell or even more of like a Kyle Brodziak type. 
That's good. That's good. I found the Corey Promman excerpt on Bach. He said Bach was just fine. You saw glimpses of his of his the high end talent, (laughs) but a lot of plays he tried to make were just an inch off or a half second too hesitant, as as it was for the entire team. Uh, There were instances though where you clearly saw what makes him a top talent between his speed, elite hands, and ability to see the ice. He needs time, and being a full time pro will do him well to improve his details. Now, I'm sure Prom put this up quickly, but I've read a few different um, athletic articles where I sometimes think I'm glad I'm paying for this. I'm not paying that much. There's a lot of info here. Could they perhaps hire an editor to look yeah. over what has been written? Yes, they desperately need There's them. a lot of periods <laughs> where commas should be and then... The extra words. Especially in this sort of thing where he's just trying to dump a wall of information mm. at you. Yeah, they need... I understand There's it. always a typo. It's just it. always been in the back of my head when I think about it. Yeah, for sure. Clem Costin. I'm, he's the next blurb. Uh, I think he looked really good. It's hard. You know, the whole team, as I've said, struggled a little bit. So it's hard to pick out one guy as like, oh, he wasn't responsible for the team struggles. <laughs> the other guys were. Uh, but what Promen said was, I really liked what I saw. He's a big winger with skill, uh, but I like what I saw from his skating particularly. He seemed to have an extra jump in his step and was much quicker uh, from where he was a few years ago. It's encouraging because with his size and skill, if he can beat pro-level defenders with speed, he's going to be tough to handle. He did look a lot more mature even than like prospect camp, I think, when I saw him, and he looked... Like, he had pretty good chemistry with Alexei Toropchenko when they let those two be on the same line, uh, which was not the whole tournament, but I liked him a lot. Let's see. I'm trying to look <coughs> I'm trying to look through our mailbag to see if anyone asked specifically about players, and then I might skip over them. Uh-huh. Um, well, I'm I sorry to keep blowing my nose. I'm sure you're hearing that. It's disgusting, and, and it sure needs to gross, stop. But I'm trying to be understandable for the rest of the Folks, time. there is nose slime everywhere. <laughs> if you've ever seen yeah, if you've ever seen Double Dare, <laughs> we're just covered head to toe in green nose slime. <laughs> it's the two guys, one Nickelodeon VMAs podcast. <laughs> Ooh, best kiss. <laughs> um, oh, that's MTV. Whatever. Uh, yeah, you're right. I so don't... are the VMAs. I was an idiot. <laughs> Go We on. don't owe them crap. Jordan Cairo. Oh, I think there is a question about we'll him. We'll skip Jordan that, Cairo. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Screw you, Cairo. Yeah, you're nothing. <laughs> Matthias? Is it Matthias? Matthias. Laferriere. I have nothing really to say about him. He didn't get to play much. I don't think he looked especially good, but he's like a six-round pick, so I'm not going to dump on him. He looked fine. I mean, I didn't see anything that was like, oh, God, you know? (laughs) (laughs) He's already been cut from camp, so, I mean, I don't know. Bobby Mack, we already covered him. Adam oh, Musel. Boy, my Bobby Mack. Uh, kind of the same as all everything I gotcha. said about Kaspik. Austin Pagansky. He looked good. He's big. He's physical. Uh, a lot of these players looked better as the tournament goes on. That's pretty much a general world for everybody. Mm-hmm. And he looked like the kind of, like I said, kind of a cracknel where he could use his physicality on the bottom line. I think somebody asked about... Um, 
one of the one of the Reddit questions, we'll get to them, but I think one of them was along the lines of, hey, do you see anybody that could be kind of that fourth line enforcer yeah. role? Pagansky would maybe be your best bet in that respect. Um, we'll talk about Sean Allen in a minute too, but uh, Pagansky or even Kaspik or Musil to yeah. a lesser extent, those are the guys that are going to be your kind of energizer bunnies on the bottom end uh, to in the future if we keep them. Yeah, Pagansky's list is a bit of a bigger fella, 6'2", 10 pounds. Yeah, he looks big on the eyes. How big is Jared Thomas? Jared Thomas is 6'2", 200. Okay, so yeah, those are kind of your bigger guys that you notice kind of sticking out there. Right. Bobby Mack is very small. I, saw I think much like Human Gang, I just think those guys steal my heart just automatically. I can understand that. Just a different... A different uh, and lesser seen archetype of a hockey player. Bobby Mack had a really nice shot, especially I think in the third game, that kind of went bar down on the power play and just a snipe over goaltender, generic insert goaltender <laughs> name from the Blackhawks here. I don't believe you because you said that was a power play goal. Moving on. <laughs> that we did not have many of in this <laughs> tournament. If there was one thing where this team mirrored the big blues, we looked awful on the power play. Mm. And Garrett shared a stat with me. I need to look up the actual article because I'm sure it's fascinating. But he talked about some article he read where you know it basically said that most power plays that are successful are successful within 11 seconds. So every time we were on the power play, it hit the 11 mark, and I was like, oh, it's over. <laughs> and most of the time, that would start the power play with they win the faceoff and clear the puck. So that uh, happened a lot. I'm already worried about our current power play. <laughs> I don't need future worries. All right. Nolan Stevens, what you got? Uh, didn't look great. And you wanted him to look great. Because mm. he was supposed to be the older guy. You know, uh, he was the team captain. Yeah. Robert Thomas still did a lot of the on-ice leadership. I don't know what the decision was to not make Thomas the captain. I think most of the teams didn't put that burden on their top prospects. Just kind of like as an added thing to take off their shoulders over the week. Uh, he started on a line with Kairou and... Thomas, and I just don't think it was a great fit because I don't think his skill level is really to where they were. Um, but as the as the thing went on, uh, he looked better. Um, and I think he, he's got intelligence. He's hardworking. Um, I would love to see him blossom into a, like a really solid third-line center. What's his size? Nolan Listen Stevens at, is 6'3 and 191 okay, pounds. Okay, I thought he was taller, but um, just to really, like, maybe fill a little of the void that Tage Thompson left. Obviously not the same caliber of prospect, but I like him, and, and I'm not going to let what I saw this weekend really deter me from liking him, but it wasn't a great weekend for him. It's like he did have 42 points in 38 games at Northeastern last year. like, not year. this weekend. Yeah, yeah and he, he centered, so he captained that team, and he centered the best line, arguably, in college hockey with Dylan Secura of the uh, Blackhawks oh, farm really? system and Adam Gadette of the uh, Canucks 
farm system who are both kind of NHL-ready prospects. So he's good. I think uh, I didn't realize this, but Promen has a board on him, and he said, Steven started off on the top line with Thomas and Cairo and was the queer third-best player there, but I still like some of the things he did. He's smart, has good vision, and can win battles. I don't see top six upside, uh, especially with his foot, foot speed, but he does enough well that he can make some noise as a rookie pro in the AHL. So he said what I said. Get some get some of your own ideas, Corey. <laughs> you did talk with him. He's just stealing your brain power. Jared Thomas, you mentioned him a little before. Not much on him. He looks like an AHL-capable body. <laughs> All right. We're going to skip the lesser Robert Thomas in favor of Alexei Toropchenko. Oh, boy, did he look good. I liked a mm-hmm. lot of what I saw from mm-hmm. him. Um, there were points in this tournament where we were talking about, oh, Alexi's actually the better Russian winger. I don't know that that's true. But, man, for one thing, that dude wins a four-check battle. He will outrace you to the puck. He just doesn't care. I mean, it's refreshing to see a guy that's putting on top effort all the time. He mm-hmm. did not, a lot of the time it looked like this. One of the problems I noticed a lot with this team, and maybe it was hesitancy, maybe it was inexperience. I'm not a hockey expert, so I'm sure sometimes it was the right play. I mean, I'm, I'm a hockey expert in that I watch it, but I'm not like a coach or anything. But there were a lot of times where it was like, the puck's right there, just go get it. And they wouldn't, like, close the gap. They weren't aggressive. They weren't mm-hmm. pinching or anything, you know, on the forecheck. And Torvchenko did not have that problem. <laughs> I really like what I saw from him. Uh, I think he could still prove to be a real steal and potentially, like, a top six forward in the future uh, if all goes right. Proving our prospect pyramid pretty accurate thus far. <laughs> I don't know. All you haters. <laughs> we don't have any haters. We only have lovers. We have lovers or people that tuned out long, long, long ago. Oh, yeah. I still love you. We still love you. Absolutely. Sean Allen. Sean Allen is fun. He punches people a lot, and he hits people really hard. I doubt he's any good at hockey, but boy, is he fun to watch. Even as a guy who's not like big into fighting. Mm. He was like balls to the wall. I think had two fights ultimately. Huge haymaker to win the first one. It was just like, oh, I'm in a whole old school hockey rink whenever Sean Allen's on the ice. And it was great. And like you were kind of saying with the not having the announcers just to Mm -hmm. hear all that and to like have the fight atmosphere in like an otherwise silent small arena. It was awesome. And so he was the name where I was like, I think they played him some on the wing before. If they wanted to sign him and have him be a fourth line grinder, do it. It'd be fun. That'd be hilarious. He's, is he huge? I don't think he's huge, huge. 6'3", 195. Played for Oshawa last year. How many points do you think he got? Five. Ooh, just one more. Four. <laughs> you know what? That's fine. They're all assists. He's looking out for the rest of the team. Trenton Bork. Um, Trenton Bork was adequate, I think. I mean, I, all of the defensemen, with the exclusion of... Reinke and Wallman and Allen, you can sort of throw them into a category of, I don't have that much to say about them, and our defense didn't look good the whole time. Mm-hmm. So probably not great. <laughs> Joel Lacusta? 
sort of the same, kind of, you know, he's a camp invite and he played adequate but not stellar defense. Oh, he gets the one I want to know about. Nico Mikola. Nico Mikola is huge, for one thing. Six foot five. Towers over defensemen, and I'm glad you mentioned him because I don't want to lump him into that other group. At the beginning, he looked kind of out of place, and he's an alternate captain, and he was Mm -hmm. on the first pairing, so you were like, eh, not so good. By the end, he looked a lot more confident. Um, He's not ever going to be a top-line defender in the NHL, but I think he could be the really a really good third line change of pace kind of guy. Uh, has decent offensive ability, but nothing great. He's just he's not either a stay at home or a really two way defenseman. He's just kind of adequate <laughs> everywhere. But that huge size gives him something that makes him stand out a little bit. And he seems to have pretty decent hockey sense. I was like, yeah, I've watched the first period of the first game for a little while, and I saw him get beat wide a couple times, but then the more I read about him, the more I heard he adapted pretty well throughout mm-hmm. the whole tournament. I'm I'm interested in him. I think that's your next... I was going to say Joel Edmondson, but that's not true. A less scorer, just solid defenseman that you'll yeah. see get NHL time Certainly for sure. Certainly like a Robert Vortez. Yeah, there you go. Floor. Yeah. Maybe could be a little more than that. What can you tell me about David Noel? Nothing. <laughs> uh, no, for those of you who don't know, it's a running joke on this podcast since this time last year. Or no, I think or rookie camp last yeah. year. Um, that David Noel, one commentator, said he had a muffin shot. And I found that so hilarious <laughs> that ever since I've just associated David Noel with the word muffin. What's ironic, especially about that, is that he does not have a muffin <laughs> shot. In fact, his shot is really his only strength. <laughs> He's an adequate, okay defenseman with a really hard shot that he can't really aim anywhere. But if it hits the net or a stick that's deflecting it or just hits another defender's shoe or <laughs> skate and causes pain, it's very effective. <laughs> And I love David Noel. He's the first Noel, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, You're welcome. Mitch Renke. Mitch Renke, I thought, looked fine. Uh, Promman had a comment on him. He said, I generally liked what I saw. He's very mobile, defends fine, and has a little touch with the puck, although I don't think he's going to generate a ton of offense as a pro. I think we've got... So, I think Jake Wallman was our only... Uh, right-handed def- which which is Jake Wallman? Jake Wallman, according to the list, is a left-handed. Shot. So is he our only one on that list? He is. Let's see, defenseman, defenseman. Tyler Tucker's a defenseman. He's a lefty. Okay. He's not going to make any. Actually, actually, most of them. Noel's is, lefty. Is Mikola. Mitch Runke the only right-handed one? Yes. Then? Okay, that's what I meant to say. So yeah, he's our only right-handed defensive. Prospect, and I don't know Schmaltz off the top of my head. Do you? He's righty. Okay, so those two are. That's it. it. Yeah. I think because I think Perunovic is a lefty. By the way, Perunovic not present because college players are already playing in college, mm-hmm. and so none of the college players were there. No human um, gang. No human gang. Greatly to our our shame. boy. Um, but uh, yeah, so I thought Ranky looked good. He's smaller, mobile, can move the puck, not afraid to be physical. But you know, doesn't have really the size to be physical. You know, you could you could be looking at like the high end upside as a, like a Chris Russell type. 
mm-hmm. and lower end being just kind of your adequate kind of third line small defender, you know, like a Tory Kruger or Jared Spurgeon without quite the offensive potential. Okay. But I liked him. That's I, liked seemed, him. I mean, that's And he looks he more than anyone but maybe Wallman and, you know, Thomas, he looks like he could do it at the pro level mm-hmm. today. I no, think it what, doesn't look like there's a lot of improvement left in his game. I think what I read was Ranky Wallman looked the best of the defensemen, but for kind of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Ranky looked a lot more sound in everything and was just kind of, you know, all right everywhere. Mm-hmm. Where Wallman had some defensive lapses, but just looked like on fire in the offensive zone. Yeah. We'll talk about him. I think there's a question yeah. about him. But. We'll, we'll leave him for later. So Tyler Tucker. Tyler Tucker kind of put him in with the Bork Noel acoustic group of like I don't have much to Who say. Who are you? Yeah. We he have... did the one thing I do know is that uh, I remember Tim Taylor or Bill Armstrong, one or the other, got really excited about the physicality of his game and he showed that. He made some pretty significant hits, but beyond that there wasn't a lot to say. You need some of that. We'll skip Wallman. We talked about Fitzpatrick and I think we have a question about him too. So last but not least, or maybe least, who knows, Joel Hoffer, Hofer, Hafer, Hafer, Joel Hoffer International. Got him. Uh, I mentioned him earlier. Big, he's large. He's got that Ben Bishop size profile. Oh, he's yeah. so young, you can't know much, but he looked fine. He didn't look overwhelmingly athletic, but he looked like his positioning was good, and you've got to start somewhere. So that's what I'd say about him. I don't think any of the goals on him were real howlers. A lot of the goals against him this tournament, just as a general rule, were just either weird carom kind of goals or like, oh my god, defense, get in there and do something Mm -hmm. to help your goaltender type of goals. There were very few, if any, that I saw that were like, oh god, they really should have saved that. Gotcha. That makes sense. With a team that's like hasn't played together very much. Yeah. And have like big defensive lapses. So let's go the mailbag now that we've run through the whole roster that was at traverse city there's a few questions i have to do with traverse city a few for specific players mm-hmm. we'll see where we get we'll get listeners can just wait with eager anticipation for the bonus episode where we run through every roster of every oh team. yeah i can't I wait say nothing useful <laughs> About anyone but Austin Fix Wolanski of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I can't wait till we get to Damien Giroux, <laughs> as well as... The Minnesota Wild have twin brother prospects, by the way. What do you have to say about Jake Reichacek? <laughs> uh, he is, is a he Carolina big? Hurricane. He sure isn't. <laughs> <laughs> is he big or is he small? He's very small. <laughs> I, I guess I set you up. He's really just five foot ten. So like he's he's very average. Good luck on the Chicago Blackhawks. Jason Wilms is the real deal, and his uncle's cool. So draft him, everybody. Draft him. <laughs> draft him in your OHL fantasy drafts. The Kitchener Rangers, the Owen Sound attack, the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, Barry. The, the Barry, Barry Colts. Colts need his services. He played with Svechnikov people, Andre Svechnikov and Tyler Tucker, or Trenton Bork, somebody. Anyway, he's cool, <laughs> and they forgot all the vowels in his last name. Yeah. So They're just like, one I will do when we're trying to spell <laughs> Williams. 
Mailbag. We reached out to Reddit. Mailbag. We need a theme. I was I, I was thinking adapted that the fantasy footballers theme very poorly. Right. There. You did great. <laughs> on so Reddit, you get to work on the mailbag theme, and then we'll have to do the mailbag more often. Look, so. if you want a mailbag theme, listeners, I don't know, make one and send if it to us. If you write us and send us a mailbag theme, a we'll use it, and mm-hmm. b we'll have reason. To do a mailbag more yeah. often, so it's all on you. Folks. It's up to you. I'm sorry. That's your homework. Fabulous, fabulous. Oh God, it's already starting Fabulicious, off. Fabulous, definitious. You got it. Boys go crazy. <laughs> I don't think that's his name, but he knows that's who he his is. name as far as I'm concerned. He asks Robert Thomas. Period. <laughs> What line do you see him starting on beginning of the year, providing he makes the team, and where do you see him by the All-Star break? Mike Myers on Twitter also asked, what are your expectations for Robert Thomas this season? I think Robert Thomas sucks. No, uh, I'm still really high on Robert Thomas. This wasn't the weekend where I was like, this weekend could have just made me like an unkillable rage just love for Robert Thomas. It mm-hmm. it didn't put me over that because he didn't look that level of great. But I still think he'll start the line, start the season as our third line right wing or fourth line center, and very quickly move up the lineup. I think Maroon will be fine with Tarasenko and O'Reilly to start the season, but I don't think that's necessarily the best fit for him long-term. And I could see Thomas ascending to that point the way that Doug Armstrong kind of hinted at. Worst-case scenario, he's a fine bottom, a really fine bottom six center for you this season and matures in the future. I really don't have any question about him making the roster, it doesn't. It just doesn't make sense to send him back to the OHL. What more can he do? And that's your only option. And you also don't have a fourth center. So mm-hmm. those three things all sort of indicate pretty strongly that he's going to be here. And I think he'll be fine. What do you think? I mean, that's not just a Traverse mm-hmm. City question. What's your general opinion on Thomas? Something I learned uh, just yesterday. I didn't know this existed. So there's the, what is it? Nine game, nine game trial you can do with a player of his age that mm-hmm. plays in juniors. I you, can't imagine he won't get that. At least. Oh, I'm sure he'll get the nine game trial. So basically, if he doesn't, if maybe we, if he falls on his face, yeah, they send him to juniors. But. If we play him ten games or more this season, I don't even know if does he have to play. I don't think he even has to play. I think he's just. I don't know if it's player yeah, on the roster. Be, yeah, he would then we'd burn a year of his ELC his. Um, or whatever. What am I? Th- I'm blanking on what ELC. it stands for. Entry level contract. Entry level contract. <laughs> Thank you. There are so many acronyms at my I'm job. I'm the sick one. It's true. <laughs> um, but like, apparently, there's also a 39 40 game rule that says if you return him to his junior team before 40 games are played, and I think at this no, I think this one's on the roster. He's just on the roster for. Um, then you don't. You don't start like the ticking clock on his RFA years. That 40 games or 39 games does not count towards his RFA year. Huh. So interesting enough. That I'm, might piss him off <laughs> yeah. in the interim. But. Go back. It's cool that you were here for half the season. Now leave. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, neither of those things I think are going to apply to him. I think he'll be here the whole season. 
I think he'll be on the fourth line to start. I feel like there's been enough smoke and people just like suggesting it that that's mm-hmm. where he'll start as their center with Yaskin and the ghost of uh, Sashnikov to his left. Uh-huh. Then I think they move him up, but I don't think he'll be a center because I don't think they can really move O'Reilly or Shen or to a lesser extent Bozak to the wing. And I think he ends up taking right wing spot, I guess, maybe for the third line. Yeah. And that's that's me thinking maybe Robbie Fabry's a little banged up. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember if it was a real hockey expert like Darren Pang or Corey Promman that we talked to briefly, or if it was a fake hockey expert like Jason Walms' uncle, <laughs> uncle, or who said this to me, but somebody made the point of they don't really want a player of his skill on the fourth line too long with those kind of bruiser yeah. headhunters types. And I agree with that. Like, get him out of there as soon as you can. If you have to start him there to, like, get his feet wet, fine. But you don't want him there. Exactly. And his, one of his biggest skills is, you know, his hockey IQ and being able to pass. Right, he's Who's a playmaker. He passing he's to? not making plays for Sashnikov and Yaskin. Yeah, no offense, but, like, they have the puck and now the play is dead <laughs> so like i don't know i mean yaskin's a great possession player but i mean like no one's scoring on that line right. yeah exactly so yeah i think by all-star break he's you know actually i wrote this down by all-star break i think he's centering the third line he's capable of it by that point but i think it's more because there's an injury yeah probably I and mean, that's the that's thing my though guess. like he can move anywhere in the lineup if there's an injury so mm-hmm. Always, right. always praying for those injuries. And that's Kyrou too. I mean, we'll get to him shortly, I'm sure. But, you know, that's to have those guys ready to go if there's an injury is such a world of difference from last year. Mm-hmm. All right. Trophy Pants on Reddit asks, do you think the team system has anything to do with the bad Traverse City performance? The team system. I assume he means, like, the way they played and their, yeah. their structure. Yeah, probably. I mean, I th- I think it's a lot of different things. I've already talked about the age and experience thing. Um, the power play looked bad. Like, it looked bad enough that, like, that some of that's got to be on coaching. Um, I was there at one of the practices. Practices are free every day, but quite frankly, there's a lot of hockey going on that isn't practice and practice isn't that interesting. So we went to one, one morning practice, and during it, I heard Drew Bannister, who was coaching the team swear a lot about shooting the puck more. Uh, and they didn't really do that. And I think that was a lot. I mean, it, it was mirrored in a lot of ways. The, the problem the big club has had for a long time of like, they're looking for the perfect shot instead of just taking any shot that presents itself and getting through the dirty areas and working on the rebounds, that sort of thing, the Ken Hitchcock wet dream. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, to the extent that it was the system, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie to you and say I was always monitoring, like, oh, this is, they're running the, you know, the 3 2 trap or the 1 3 1, you know, behind the net mm-hmm. pinch or whatever. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm not that up to date on the lingo and the, the systems anyway, but. I think there was an overall disorganization that had to do with lack of chemistry and probably a lack of like certainty in the system and a lack of buy-in into the system itself. And a lot of the players knew who the stars were and weren't and were trying to make plays on their own, and that didn't always help. Tom, and that was one of 
Thomas's problems a couple of times was like, oh, I'm going to make this boy all by my lonesome. And it's like, you don't have to, but good try. Mm-hmm. I think not having an AHL team where half of these people played last year hurts too. Yeah. I mean, I get a lot of these guys are people that teams just drafted mm-hmm. and are on different junior teams, but also a chunk of them probably like Columbus's all played together yeah. on an AHL team and were able to develop chemistry last year. Sarah uh, of com pointed that out to us on Twitter, and Garrett disagreed with it a little. There's a, there's merit to both sides, but I do think some of these teams have more chemistry and more experience, and even, even if they've just come to this tournament as a group mm-hmm. two more years, that's a big thing, you know, because... It's eight more games as a unit, you know, mm. and that counts for something. Exactly. Ecto-1A asks, well, first he says, I'm enjoying listening, so please keep up the good work. God, we're trying, but it is just <laughs> a slog sometimes. I tell you what. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for the kind yeah, words. thank you. Ecto, which I assume is your real name. <laughs> we're sorry about your parents. <laughs> they really liked... Is that is ectoplasm? Yeah, I know it's a thing. What do they Couldn't call? What do they what call the is. Ghostbusters packs? Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Something about that. You like Ghostbusters, and we don't know enough. <laughs> he says, "I know it's a less needed role, but do you see any prospects that could come up as a heavy grinder slash enforcer type? I'm thinking a young Reeves." Yeah, I like so. I did touch on this earlier, just because the question came to mind. Mm-hmm. But I think Austin Paganti is maybe your best bet there. Um, Eric Foley can be that, but I think he has kind of higher upside, and he's not that big. I mean, he's pretty average size. And then they're not going to be as grinders as much, you know. Um, but the um, Musils and Caspics of the world are probably your bottom six kind of four-checky yeah. penalty killy types. And then, you know, if you're looking for a pure punch-people-in-the-face-a-lot kind of guy, sign Sean Allen. I think he was a camp invite, but he's been there two years. Bring him up. Let's Did Tyler Tucker get in any fights or anything? Uh, who who was the other one? It might have been him. There were there were three fights, two in one game, and, and Sean Allen had two of them, and I'm trying to remember who the third one was. It might have been Tyler Tucker. I think it probably was. And I can't remember who he fought or what how it went, but yeah. He would be another guy. I mean, he's a defenseman, obviously, but he's physical and angry. Mm-hmm. So that counts for something. <laughs> That's what you need. Creative underscore funny underscore <laughs> name asks. Uh, I'm pretty interested in Jake Wallman. He got shafted last year pretty hard because of all of the AHL situations. So his development hit a little bit of a bump. This is his make or break year, seeing as he's already 22. How did he look? And Seahouse also reiterated this uh, question a little bit on Twitter, asking, are there any realistic scenarios that have him cracking the opening night roster? So, Jake Wallman looked great in this tournament. I've been eager to talk about him the whole time. Um, He didn't look so good early on. Game four, he was a superstar of that game. Um... Corey Promen said this was as good as I've seen Wallman in a while, and he wouldn't have even seen Game 4, I don't think. 
uh, which is to be expected given his age and pro experience, but it was still good to see him make an impact after a rough season in the AHL. Uh, his skating is fantastic, and the way he can evade pressure and get the puck up the ice distinguishes him. His skills aren't as noticeable, but he's good with the puck and made some plays. Like you kind of alluded to earlier, looked great in the offensive zone, not as great in the defensive zone, but one thing I was really impressed by, um, he's got a little bit of that red mist in him, a little bit of that seeing red, you know, anger in him. Uh, there was a play in late in the New York game, the final game, uh, where he got kind of blindsided by an elbow from uh, Nico Gross, which was appropriate, <laughs> of the Rangers. Uh, and from that point on in the game, it was fairly late and the game was well in hand, but on the ensuing power play, Wallman, every time he got the puck, would just frigging unload it at the net or whatever was between him and the net. <laughs> and you could see, like, he was straight up angry, but it was kind of refreshing because, like, a lot of times Blues players, you know, it was it was very much the opposite of the Jamie Benn sitting on Alex Petrangelo <laughs> thing last year. Like, yeah. he was pissed and it was kind of refreshing to see uh in terms of cracking the roster i think there's some chance um if uh bowmeister or gunnerson aren't healthy or get shipped off or anything happens to them uh you know he's um he's the top of our left-handed prospect pool right now um those guys are those both left-handed Guys, Bowmeister is, right? But, yeah, yeah, they both are. Um, you know, so I, I could see him playing on the third pairing left side um, and then maybe getting some power play time, uh, you know, if that's appropriate for him. Uh, I think it'll probably be another year in the AHL, but he should look tremendous if given a consistent AHL time. And I think he's ready for a bigger NHL role. For sure. Uh, as for whether it's a make or break year, I'm not sure I totally agree that it is. I mean, he has 22. It's a big year for him, but I don't think he has to come up and like establish a role in the NHL mm-hmm. to have any shot at being relevant. You I could have a big a little yeah. young for us to be that. I think I think we're all a little off put by the fact that coming into last season he was kind of supposed to be the Vince Dunn, and then Vince Dunn kind of shook up that whole system, and Wallman looked pretty bad for most of the year because of the AHL situation, and so we're a little down on him. But this this tournament really restored my faith in him as someone who has a chance to be a really good, you know, not great, but and and more of a Kevin Shattenkirk, more of a one-dimensional, but a pretty impactful offensive defenseman in the NHL. If he has a big year in the AHL, I think that's just a good a season for him, too. Yeah. After having kind of a shaky one last year, right. having one team to be on and being able to develop chemistry and really show Blues front office people or, you know, Blues coaches and stuff that work down there that he's ready to step it up. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we're going to have a pretty revamped defensive core soon because Bomeister and Gunnarsson and Vortuzo are all UFAs after the season. And I wouldn't necessarily expect any of them to be back. Mm-hmm. And Pareko, there's going to be trade rumors even if nothing happens. Um, but especially if you get rid of him, if you bring in a, an adequate right pairing defenseman, I could see, you know, Schmaltz and Wallman as your third pairing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe a little bit of fluidity in that bottom two pairings pretty believably next year, I think. 
And so, yeah, there's a lot of change coming on defense, I think. Maybe, like you said, the bottom half, but a fair amount. Creative underscore funny underscore name had a second question because oh, when you give these people, greedy, huh? yeah, you give them an inch and they take a mile. I tell you what, we're not gonna we're not gonna answer all of them. Okay, we will. We'll answer anything you ask us. You always a hundred questions. It could have been just and him. It would have just been a hundred excuses to say his name. Yeah. Yes. Uh, also, want a little information on Fitzpatrick. I didn't get to see any highlights from the tourney, but he. How did he look? Not so much raw save percentage numbers, but in terms of positioning and his net, his depth control, his side-to-side movement, puck tracking through crowds, rebounds, con- rebound control, etc. You're a goalie expert. You know all those words. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I mean, I talked about it a lot, so I don't want to regurgitate too much. His, his rebound control maybe could use a little work. Um, that was where he got beat a couple of times, was just not keeping pucks under a glove or anything. But, man, he looked good one-on-one. His positioning looked great. Um, I really liked him a lot, and I'm really excited about him moving forward. Uh, I think he's 20. Uh, I was reading a, a Rutherford article, though, where it was like projected landing spots, and one of them was still the queue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there's some weird manipulations you can do with like overage players. You can have a couple of them or something, but I don't know what the limitations are. So he might be back there, or he could be in the ECHL or the AHL. Um, Mm -hmm. but he's ready to take a step forward, I think, in his development regardless. I'm excited for him. It'll be interesting to see. Let's see, Dunson Egg 22, which I believe, I don't know if the numbers makes any relevance to this, but I believe Dunson Egg is a Game of Thrones reference. So great job, we're all dorks. (laughs) He says, in your eyes, has Kairu stood out slash been effective this tournament? I flicked last night's game on, I don't know which one that was, Start of the second, and he was everywhere, getting tons of chances and even a goal. If a little, even if it was a little lucky, which goal, which one was that? He got a, a turnover right in front. That probably is the one he was talking about. Yeah, but he finished it. I mean, it was a ghastly, god awful turnover. Yeah, the Blackhawks defenseman, but it was he finished it. Yeah, in tight. So he that's... said he does say in the first game that he was seemed to be non-existent. So what do you think? Yeah, didn't look good in the first. I've been kind of eager. He's the other one I've been really eager to talk about, and I'm sure there are some people that are like, why haven't you talked about him yet? Because this question was coming, and we do plan ahead for this podcast, much as I'm sure it doesn't (laughs) seem like that at times. He looked amazing in the second half of this tournament. He, I would say, you know, this might be stretching a little bit, but in terms of just raw finishing ability, raw goal-scoring ability, he may be the best on our entire system behind Tarasenko, like Mm -hmm. in terms of just scoring. His speed is so phenomenal. And what really stood out to me is he, it looks effortless. You know, he's literally coasting past people that are like full back skating to keep up with him and failing. I mean, he just looks so fast all the time. And, his ability to finish. I mean, he had a pair of goals. Um, I think in the in the final game, he had a hat trick in the final game. But all three of the goals were really great. The first of them, he got kind of a breakthrough pass and had a breakaway, and he's just sort of pulled up right short of the crease and tucked the puck behind the goalie, deked him out. The second one, he deked through a couple of defenders and just beat the goalie with a shot. And the third one was an empty netter, but it was one of those where it was like he was hell-bent on getting his hat trick, and he, like, stripped 
the defender at the blue line and outraced everybody and hit a laser shot from the other blue line like to get the goal. I mean, it was just one of those one of those empty netters that's somehow still impressive. He just looked electric, and it was the first time I was thinking to myself, oh, maybe this guy is on the roster somehow this year, mm-hmm. you know, um, even out of camp. I mean, he looked so friggin' good in the second half of that, and it's really that level of speed and goal-scoring talent, as much as I love some of our top six, that's not their game. You know, our top nine generally, you know, a lot of them are the more, you know, deflections, dirty areas, physical kind of goal scorers, and they're not the just highlight reel, blow your mind kind of goal scorers that Kairu could be. And this really put him like, this was the first time where I was like, I get why he's every bit as valuable as Robert Thomas. I mean, not in the sense that overall a goal score is still a little lower than a top end center, but he looked phenomenal and I'm really excited I'm glad that you stood out because I really thought maybe it was going to shoot the other way with Um, Robert Thomas being the standout it looked bad in the first game too Mm -hmm. he did not look especially good but man he just took over the whole tournament after that I'd love both these guys to push for a roster spot even if they both don't necessarily get it just so you can see man we've got like some talent coming up and you can see it from fans you know going to these preseason games and me will be like wow holy cow these guys are not just you know a bunch of hype mm-hmm. yeah i mean they were insane so we already kind of covered jackie underscore chan underscore effects question about the uh dom decision article loose uh chicken. loose chicken i always think maybe you could say it like a french person is going to make an incision on you they say we are about to make the decision <laughs> and you go oh i don't want to be in this hospital anymore <laughs> Uh, but he does say that he loves the podcast and the chemistry that we have is great. I will tell you this, when I leave, or when we turn off the mics and I leave, I do not speak to Steven oh, no, until I show back all. up the next week. It's entirely manufactured, yeah. folks. The whole Penn and Teller deal, they don't go out and talk to each other no. after the show. It's I don't know jack about silent. Steven. He doesn't even know that I work in the same office as him. Mm-hmm. We don't speak. <laughs> Now he's left to wonder if I do work in the same office as him. I don't, people. It's 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 all part of the illusion. I think he works as the printer. <laughs> um, beep boop. Beep. <laughs> Steven, is that you? <laughs> this guy with his disguises. Um, Jack Raspy asks, it says, I'd be interested in a breakdown of center depth across the central. I know Nashville and Winnipeg are the teams to beat, but how well do you think the lines will stack up against the competition? I try not to allow myself to be this optimistic, but if Allen can be average, do we have a chance of outcompeting the Preds or the Jets? Y'all said Perds. I'm assuming that's because <laughs> uh, their little joke where they misspelled their own name two years ago, a year ago. Oh, uh, did they really? Oh, yeah. Huh? I thought you just had the editors from The Athletic. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> Uh, that's something. I mean, we can talk uh, talk about it briefly. Next week's going to be our central preview, yeah. so we'll talk about it a lot more then. Our center depth, we don't have the top end guy still. I love O'Reilly. He's not your game-breaking first overall center. Beyond that technicality, though, I think our center depth now is as good as any team in the league. No other team, I don't think, can boast four deep as good as Shin and Bozak and O'Reilly and Thomas on top of all that. Um, so it, it's it's kind of the quantity. 
I don't even want to say it's quantity over quality because it's a lot of quality there too. But like the peak isn't quite as high as some other teams, but the base is a lot wider. Um, I've never been sold on Ryan Johansson. I think he's a lot like Ryan O'Reilly. I've never been sold on him as an elite number one center. I just don't think he is that. Mm-hmm. And and uh, who's the guy they got from Ottawa? Kyle Turris. Turris. Yeah. Very fine second or third yeah. center, but similar sort of. He's not a game breaker. He was straight poop in the playoffs for them. <laughs> I don't. I I don't want to overreact. But part of me thinks that the Predators window is already almost kind of closed. Maybe that. Maybe I look silly at the end of this year. We'll talk about that more next year. But, like, Rene's older. He's ne- never looked great in the playoffs. I don't know if Saros is a peck of Rene replacement. I think he'll be fine, but I don't mm. know if he's that good. I don't think their forward group is good enough to carry him. I just I, I, The reality is you have to be so deep and so stacked on offense to to win in the playoffs right now. And Arvidsson's good, Johansson's good, Forsberg's great. But none of those, even Forsberg to a lesser extent, I don't know that I'd put any of those guys in like the top 25 forwards in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And I think to win in the playoffs, you have to not only be deep, but you have to be that one guy that's like, there's your stud, you know. Crosby, Kane, Ovechkin this past year, mm-hmm. Kopitar. I mean, all the teams that have won recently have those guys. <laughs> those are the those are like the only four. Well, there's right, only yeah. been so many. Berger, Bergeron and Marchand. There's the other one. You know, yeah. like, um, and so they're a little suspect to me. And then beyond that, I don't know what they're deeper. I guess they have Bonino, mm-hmm. who is overpaid. And it's fine. I mean, they've they've got good depth too, but it's sort of similar to us, where it's like the top end isn't really there, and I don't think the depth's quite as good as ours. And then I don't want to answer this exclusively. You can chime in too. Oh no, I I mean I would agree that I think we're, I mean that's not a huge stretch, but I'd say like we're right up there in top three in our division, and I'd say you which could, is so weird speaking as a Blues fan for the past decade. Oh yeah, we were not anywhere close yeah. <laughs> before the summer, or before at least when we got Shen, and then we didn't know that Shen was going to be a center. I mean, I was on record as saying like All I don't think we should be there. Weren't in house a, a year and two months ago. Think yeah. about. I mean, Thomas. No, like before last year's draft, we none used, of our we NHL used to centers. run Stasny, Bacchus, Latera. Oh, that was that was what we had, for folks. Oy, 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 oy. Um, actually, while this came up and hit me while I was asking questions, this question for me because I caught the story in a net because I forgot that we just tiptoed over it and we don't have to talk about it too much. What do you think about Austin Watson getting twenty-seven oh God, games? Thank God you brought that up. Um, oh, well, I'll say it: only twenty-seven games for domestic abuse. Yeah, it's. Preposter. I mean, it speaks to it. It's such a crystal clear example of what you touched on last week. The idea that that uh, what's his name, Nate Schmidt, mm-hmm. gets twenty games. Austin Watson gets seven more. I mean, it's unfathomable. Those people. I I don't. I I'm sorry. You just kick them out of the league. Just do it. I know. I was like, they you're don't not going to get rights. They're. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, it's not that hard to me. Yeah. I was like, why not suspend be... him at least a year? At very least, just the season. Yeah, like, he's gone for the it's season. It's not that hard to not beat 
people, <laughs> no, especially I, women. Like, I not hit people every day of my <laughs> life. <laughs> I know it's not. I mean, it's not necessarily appropriate to laugh about this, but like, yeah, I mean, it's it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand. Like, I'm a big believer in second chances. To me, hitting a woman is the one thing where I'm like, oh, there's something like monumentally broken mm. about you. To it's, think that yeah. there's any world, you know, I don't care how drunk you were, I don't care how annoying she was, there's something severely broken about you that you can do that. Mm. And like, why is seven more games? Seven more games? Really? Seven. That's the difference. They, yeah, you know that that had to be what kind of what they thought because oh, they just for sure because they just like, suspended Nate Schmidt. They're like, that's half a month more than Nate Schmidt. We're gonna we're we're we tossed the book compared, at him. Hey, compared to three games for Ray Rice, great, <laughs> oh, good job. You really really jumped over the low 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 <laughs> threshold. Basically, you stepped over. Basically, you didn't stumble on the cord that was lying flat <laughs> on the ground that the NFL set up for you. Yeah. So good for you. But that is such a just blown opportunity. It feels like, and and I'm not saying you need to make political hay out of that. That's not the number one objective. But it feels like any time the NHL is Charlie Brown and the football is right there to oh, kick, yeah. the NHL is also... Is it Lucy mm-hmm. that just pulls the football away from its own foot? Mm. And it could have been like it could have gotten. And again, this isn't necessarily the lens to look at this through, but it could have gotten great press where it's like, oh, the NHL's the league that not saying no, takes, yeah, takes you know, uh, you know, domestic violence seriously, and they're just not. And then they're gonna have Patrick Kane friggin' advertising everything. And he's not, and what I, not to go on that tangent, but he's not any more charismatic <laughs> than any other robot yeah. NHL player. Austin Matthews could be just as robotic saying real smooth with John Tavares as Patrick Kane is with Duncan Keith. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I just thought yeah. it was a huge swing and a miss. I mean, kudos to them for doing something. Yeah. But, but that's not That's pretty sad. Much. The NHL is so afraid to have like any spotlight on them other than oh I like that this is hockey thanks for playing <laughs> hockey they are so afraid of it. anyone taking a stand them taking a stand someone saying a thing uh-huh. they just toe the line like oh domestic I mean they know domestic abuse is bad but like domestic abuse bad okay suspension got it and it's like <laughs> you could have done anything like no 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 other sports do this, we'll do it too. We're it's kind of a weird like we want people to pay attention to us because we're just like everyone else. Yeah. And I'm like uh, blah, blah, the NHL's blah. plan to growing its fan base is its current fans having a lot of kids. Yeah, exactly. That's literally like they don't make any effort to grow. And they were making the point, you know, to kind of bring it full circle here. They were making the point on the Steve Dangle podcast about like, do you almost feel bad for Gary Bettman? having to deal with Eugene Melnick. And I sort of do, except it's their fault. <laughs> like, they should have vetted this guy. Like, he's crazy. He's a lunatic. And and I know the NFL owners aren't any better, but, like, it's their fault. Like, fix it. They could have, and I'm not saying Tom Stillman's a golden god, but they could have 31 Tom Stillmans in this league. 
or the guy who owns the capital, he's a little loony, or the the Golden Knights, he's mm-hmm. a little loony, but he's like <laughs> cares about his team, you know. Yeah. But they're they've got to have some some Melnicks, and they're always going to be just a league that's half full of Melnicks and being dragged <laughs> down by all their Melnicks. It's just it's so baffling to me. I don't know the Watson thing, so unacceptable. Why? Well, I, I just. He's not even a. I, you shouldn't make this a big deal, but he's not even a star. Like, what's it matter? It's cap relief for the Predators. Yeah. I mean, from their perspective, just make it forty. Just at least double. I was just thinking, give me half a season. Good lord! Oh my god! Oh. All right, I wanted to sneak that one in there before Sorry. two fun questions because okay. I didn't want to end on that. I'm That's glad. Fine. I'm no, glad. I'm glad. All right. Tony Eichenlaub asks, I'm sure that's how it's pronounced, what's your favorite food from the concession stand? That means oak something in German. There you go, Tony. Uh, The concession stand, not great (laughs) at Traverse City. Uh, They did have walking tacos, which are a hit anywhere they go. Popcorn was dope. Uh, And then they had a pizza stand outside that was pretty good. But overall... Very so-so concessions where the angry little man that ran the card reader didn't enjoy his job at all, and the card reader didn't work at the time, and so he was not pleased. (laughs) But, you know, it was still fun. It's good. My answer is always beer. Oh, from any concession stand anywhere, sure. They had a lot of Labatt Blue there. Oh, nice. (laughs) It was very Canadian. All right, final question. Ryan Krupp on Twitter wanted to know, Stephen, how many quarters are in a hockey game? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he asked. He actually asked that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everyone's dying to know. I mean, I suppose there are. There can only be four quarters. Well, you'd, it's, you'd it's, be surprised. <laughs> it's divided by zero is what it is. For those of you that don't know, I typed out this long, I thought perfectly touching and endearing message about how I'd met Jason (laughs) Wilms' uncle, and they were so nice, and God save me, I was gonna be cheering for a Blackhawk for the next two, and then I typed quarters instead of periods. Which is extra hilarious because it's a long-running joke in my family that my mom doesn't know which unit divides into which sport. (laughs) And, like, it's an inside joke that she's in on now, so she'll be like, hey, it's the fourth period in a baseball game or whatever. So it was extra funny for me, but it was also awful, and I'm deeply ashamed. And people just threw you under the bus. And I deserved it. And that's why I got sick. Their hatred fueled my sickness. So thanks, people. <laughs> Can't just forgive a guy. Hey, I owned it. I left the tweet out there. I corrected it in a later tweet. I'm a real man. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, that's the end of our mailbag. Thank you for sending in we questions. Could, we could just we appreciate it. We could just talk for 11 and a half more minutes uh, and make it to three hours. I thought about it, and I just don't. Oh, you don't have it in you. Don't have it in that's me. That's fair. Next week... We will have the Central Division on lock and on fleek. And I just want to let you into this world that I'm living in. I have a group text message with two slightly, I mean slightly, like ended college when we started people 
that are very close friends, and I'm like an additional friend to their friendship. We have a group message where these people really love to send like one or two word text messages where they're making a complete thought, but it's one or two words at a time. And from that group message, I have gotten 538 text messages while we've been recording. And there's 539. So that's what I get to go read. Thank you all for listening. Do you have anything to say, Ian? As we depart, I <laughs> love street tacos. Ooh, well, walking tacos or street tacos? What the hell is a walking taco? It's where you take a bag of Doritos and uh, you put meat in it, and it's still great. Did I hear this is like hobo tacos? I can't They're remember. They're probably the same. They probably have many names. Okay, I like those. That's what I'm trying to say. I want... Meat in a Dorito bag. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Any other parting remarks? No, that was the highlight. Okay. I'm sick. <laughs>